charged with grooming and sexual activity with underage girls. Luke Fisher, formerly of Vipon Court, has been bailed to appear at Wickham Magistrates on the 11th of November. The charges relate to offences carried out over a number of months on two victims in Buckinghamshire. A former BBC driver who was accused of sex offences against a 12-year-old boy has been found dead at his home. David Smith, who was 67 and from south-east London, had failed to arrive at court for the start of his trial yesterday. Further improvements are needed at Yarlswood Immigration Centre near Bedford. That's according to a report by the Chief Inspector of Prisons as a result of the latest unannounced inspection at the removal centre. Here's Tony Fisher. Though inspectors acknowledged improvements had been made, they were concerned to find two staff had engaged in sexual activity with a female detainee. These staff have now been dismissed. There were also concerns over the lack of progress of immigration cases and the fact that a number of women had been detained for very long periods, one for almost four years. Pregnant women had also been detained without evidence of the exceptional circumstances required to justify this. The unannounced inspections were carried out in late June and late September this year. Prospective parents in Buckinghamshire are being put at a severe disadvantage when it comes to IVF treatment. That's according to specialists at the country's best-known conception centre, Bourne Hall. The NHS in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire adhere to NICE guidelines offering three full cycles of treatment thought to be adequate. But in Buckinghamshire, you'll only be offered one and the maximum age is 35, significantly lower than in beds and hearts, where 42-year-olds can get treatment. In sports news and in the championship, Watford manager Gianfranco Zola has called for goal line technology to be introduced after his side drew one all at Brighton. Watford were denied a second goal when Fernando Forestieri's shot appeared to go over the line before it was cleared by Gordon Greer. And the weather after a dry, bright and sunny start. Cloud will develop, introducing a scattering of showers by late morning. A few sharp showers are possible, but these will become increasingly isolated going through the afternoon, with more in the way of sunny spells later. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius, 55 degrees Fahrenheit. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash counties. Thank you, Barry. Morning. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, thank goodness that storm is over. No, it's just dark and cold and miserable. It's cold today. Cold. Lots coming up on the show today, including we'll be speaking to the Dunstable man who is accusing his employers of trying to force him out after he was diagnosed with cancer. He got similar stories. Keen to hear them. Prospective parents in Buckinghamshire are losing out in the IVF postcode lottery. But realistically, can we afford to give everyone a decent chance? And aliens, the truth is out there. Well, that's according to a man who's been monitoring their activities from his nerve centre. His back garden in Hertfordshire. Justin Dealey has been helping him with his research. If you want to take part this morning, you can. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or the best way, and lots of, more and more of you are phoning in, and it makes it so much more fun, I think, if you give us a call, 08 459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
A Dunstable man is hitting out at what he sees as unsympathetic treatment from his employers as he undergoes treatment for cancer. 26-year-old Anthony Gregory was diagnosed at the end of last year and, while he admits the shock and confusion it caused led him to making mistakes... He says bosses at the shop have been overly heavy-handed. He suspects they've lost patience and are now trying to force him out. Well, we'll be speaking to Anthony in an hour's time, and I'll be interested in hearing from you if you've managed to stay at work while dealing with a long-term medical condition. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. But now let's speak to Liz Egan, who leads the Working Through Cancer programme for Macmillan Cancer Support. Morning, Liz. Good morning. Now, Liz, uh, most of us can't imagine past getting a diagnosis like that, never mind going back to work. Yes. Um, Well, um, I think a lot of people don't quite understand that cancer has actually changed quite a lot in recent years. And, you know, for most people, you know, when they hear cancer, they think it's a death sentence. But in fact, actually, with advances in medical treatment, lots of people are surviving cancer and want to return to normal life. And and, and part of normal life is actually going back to work. And do you hear stories similar to this one, Liz, where where, um, uh, employees claim that their life is being made harder because maybe they have to take time off for treatment or they perhaps can't quite work as hard as they they did a few months ago? Yes, I'm afraid it's actually quite common. Um, We did a study recently um, with YouGov and uh, patients have said and people with cancer have told us that they, um, about one in four who return to work after treatment say they experience discrimination of one form or another, either from their employer or from colleagues. Um, and actually one in, one in ten say they were harassed at work to the point that they couldn't stay in their job. Um, people are being denied time off for medical appointments, being passed over from promotion, or just being given um, unduly heavy workloads whilst they're going through, um, you know, recovery from their treatment. Um, so there are lots of cases. And recently we were contacted by somebody called <clears throat> Paul from London who had blood cancer. And when he told his employer he had been diagnosed, asked to have some time off for treatment, he was given the sack. Um, they said they couldn't employ somebody who was not 100% committed. And obviously that was a huge shock for him. They couldn't employ... Sorry, they, he wasn't given time off for treatment, they, then they sacked him saying they couldn't employ someone who was, wasn't 100% committed. Yes, absolutely. It's quite shocking, isn't it, really? That's incredible. Um, yes. But, I mean, I have to say, you know, for every bad employer out there, there are many really good employers as well who behave very humanely. And they reap the rewards because, you know, um, retaining somebody who's skilled in the workforce, but also in terms of morale for other staff by actually doing the right thing, you know, that creates a lot of respect for the employer. So there's a lot of incentives for good practice, and, and many people behave, many employers behave well. Okay, let me play devil's advocate for a second. Then. Yes, I run a small business, I employ four people. People and uh, Steve comes in who works for me and Steve says, I'm really sorry, I've got cancer, I'm going to be off for, for a, a, a bit of time, I'll come in when I can, I won't be as strong as I can, uh, but, but I'll do what I, I can. Yeah. Now, if I'm a small employer <clears throat> uh, and I'm struggling to make money, yeah. I, I could, I, I suppose you could see how someone might view that person with cancer as being a, a liability almost. Uh, absolutely. But I think What's the have, employer supposed to do? Well, I think the employer needs to think about, well, first of all, they need to know the law. 
because somebody who has cancer is recognised as having a disability under the equality legislation, which means employers must make reasonable adjustments for that employee. And that, you know, those adjustments can actually have no cost whatsoever. So for a small employer, they might mean something like allowing somebody to work at home for a while, being flexible, allowing them to come in late for work. And out there, there's um, a great scheme called Access to Work, which is funded by DWP, but actually funds adjustments to the workplace and can pay for things like employees to travel to and from work. Employers are not aware often of the support that's out there. Um, I think the, the second piece of advice is really to communicate really with the employee, try to understand what's happening because, you know, the employee sometimes won't understand what's next for them, you know, what their recovery is going to look like and they may be able sometimes to work during treatment. Um, we're not saying force somebody to work, but you need to listen to the employee and communicate. Don't make any assumptions that the employee um, is not going to be able to work. Um, and then get expert advice. Macmillan has a huge number of resources for both large employers and small to medium-sized businesses. And we understand it can be very difficult, particularly the financial impact. But there's really expert advice there. So go onto the Macmillan website. It's on macmillan.org.uk, downstroke work, and you'll get lots of good advice and information. Liz, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Always good advice there to uh, go go and speak to people at Macmillan about that. If you have had a long-term condition or an illness, not necessarily um, cancer, maybe uh, it's been depression or whatever it may be, how has it affected you at work? Have your employers been uh, um, sympathetic or have they basically told you to jog on? 08459 455 555 you can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. A little bit of David Bowie. Tell myself 
Coming up in about 15, 20 minutes, Catherine Boyle will be coming in to review the papers. We're even trailing ahead to that, Catherine. Can you imagine? Is it that bad? It really is, desperate times. But the thing I'm keen to encourage is people can come in and take part. If, if, they've no, if, if you've listened, you'll know it's a little bit flimsy. There's not a lot of substance to it. But people can... can it's like having a chat, isn't it? It's just like having a chat with newspapers. Yeah, chat with newspapers. We're getting paid. You're not. You're actually paying us. So thank you for that. Yeah, nice. uh, but you can give us a call if you want to come on for that. 08459. I'm turning your microphone off now. Thank you. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. And also, we're talking about aliens. There is, there are. Well, listen. My cards on the table. I believe in aliens. Of course, I do. It would be uh, arrogant and egotistical to think we are the only planet that is populated. Of course, mathematically, there must be other life forms out there. Some people in beds, hearts, and bucks take it a little bit more seriously than that. They've mapped out their gardens. Well, we sent um, our sensitive and caring reporter, Justin Dealey, along to have a look and find out more. We'll be talking about that a bit later on. It's a quarter past six, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. The latest on the trains, that's that no trains will go to Anglia between Broxbourne and Hartford East and between Chesons and Cambridge. It's all due to overhead line problems. They've been damaged following that uh, that weather yesterday. I'm sure you remember that. Uh, also, buses replacing trains as well, both London Midlands between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. That was due to a falling tree on the line. I've spotted a cancellation as well here. Uh, 6.31, Welling Garden City to Cambridge. That train is not going to appear, I'm afraid, uh, due to the uh, overrunning engineering works. And uh, elsewhere, the roads are all looking okay so far for this Tuesday morning. The M1, M25, of course, that will gradually build uh, fairly soon. Bill Sheldrake, BBC Three Counties Radio. Bill, thank you very much indeed. Right, 6.16, it's Tuesday the 29th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedfordshire man who has cancer says his employer is deliberately trying to force him out of his job. We'll hear his story after seven. Two male staff members at the Yarlswood Immigration Centre in Bedfordshire have been sacked for having sex with a female detainee. And in the Championship last night, Watford drew one all at Brighton, but were denied a second goal when Fernando Forestieri's shot appeared to go over the line before it was cleared by Gordon Greer. Don't know what I just said then, but hope you enjoyed it. The weather. Breezy to start with before winds ease. Some blustery showers, but also sunny spells. Highs, highs of 13 degrees Celsius. Coming up, the UK's leading IVF centre is calling for an end to the postcode lottery that puts prospective parents in bucks at a severe disadvantage. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I can bring you now some good news for women. What do you look like in a pair of Speedos or swimming trunks? A pumpkin had been stolen from outside a hairdresser's salon. We've had lots of support since your programme, lots of phone calls telling us not to worry and everyone's looking out for them. What could I do to bring a smile to Dame Kelly Holmes' face? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what that sound is? I do. They're alpacas. I've got six alpacas. They're lovely. Everyone takes the mickey. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Oh, there's no, literally no chance of us playing candy on here. What on earth is that about? Let's get something a little bit more appropriate. Let's have a little, should we have a little bit of Dr Hook? Let's get a little bit of Dr Hook in, shall we? I'm never. Can we just make sure candy is never on the playlist of this show? For goodness sakes. Let's have a song about having sex twice in a row, shall we? Yeah, good morning. When your body's had enough of me And I'm laying flat out on the floor When you think I've loved you all I can I'm gonna love you a little bit more Come on over here and lay by my side I've got to be touching you Let me rub your tired shoulders The way I used to do Look into my eyes And give me that smile The one that always turns me on And let me take your hand Stand up to greet the sun And when your body's had Enough of me And I'm laying flat out on the floor When you think I've loved you All I can I'm gonna love you a little bit more on my mind and you know where my mind has been I guess I learned my lessons and now's the time to begin so if you're feeling alright and you're ready for me I know that I'm ready for you we better get it Stretch. It's made me feel a bit uh, raunchy. That's so, all. Can we get? Can we get Dennis? We, we got Joe Brown on last week. Can we get Dennis Please, on the show this week? You've got to leave these people alone. <laughs> let them sleep. It's early in the morning. He's done his time. Let's let's get Dennis Lacoria, the lead singer from Doctor Hook, on the show by the by the end of the show this morning. Can we do that, Catherine? We've just heard he's been up all night. <laughs> he's probably not finished. Listen, we're the BBC. We can do anything. Make make it happen before nine o'clock. Okay. Would you settle for Dennis and Dunstable instead? Dennis, would I settle for Dennis and Dunstable? Yeah, instead. Uh, um, I'll make him do a voice. Then in that case, yes. Brilliant. Fantastic. We'll somewhere or other we'll get someone either the lead singer from Doctor Hook or someone pretending to be him on the show by the end of uh, the show. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. If you want to take part this morning, the UK's leading IVF centre, Bourne Hall, is calling for an end to the postcode lottery that puts prospective parents in Buckinghamshire at a severe disadvantage. 
Heritage. The NHS in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire adhere to the NICE guidelines, offering three full cycles. A level Bourne Hall says gives you a decent chance of success. But in Buckinghamshire, you'll only be offered one, and the maximum age is 35, significantly lower than in beds and hearts where 42-year-olds can get treatment. Well, Paula Moyes found this out to her cost. She lives in High Wycombe and joins me on the line now. Morning, Paula. Good morning. What, what happened to you? Um, right, from the age of 37, um, I decided, right, OK, let's, let's try for a family, um, and found that I couldn't. Um, I actually lived in Bedfordshire at that time, so I went to uh, Bedford Hospital, started treatment. Uh, now, the treatment is a course of Clomid, um, which helps to um, overstimulate the ovaries so that you can produce the eggs. Um, unfortunately, this didn't happen. Um, so I, I carried on the treatment, and I had about three, three courses of the, uh, of the medication. Still didn't work. Um, by this time, I was getting to the age of 40, um, and the regulations say, right, the age of 40, that's it. Uh, no more um, NHS treatment. So we had to go private, um, and we went to Bourne Hall. And I, I, I'm assuming, has it all worked out successfully? It did, oh, yes, definitely. Oh, oh yeah. What have you got? Oh, I've got twins. Oh. Two boys, two and a half years old. Oh, two and a half year old twins. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but that's fun. Uh, yeah, don't, yeah, you can say that. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's, it's tears. It's, yes. And you, the, a two year old, a two and a half year old is, uh, yes, is uh, challenging. How did you feel, Paula, when you were uh, uh, told that you were, weren't going to be eligible anymore for NHS treatment? Um, I. It, it was a shock. It, it really was a shock. It was, it was. Well, I'm, I'm still young enough, you know. That it's quite strange because people say, "Oh, yeah, you can, see, you know, have kiddies or keep trying," and then you're at 45, um, and you hear all these stories from ladies. Oh, yeah, I had mine at 42, 43, 44. So you, you just, you're not over the hill. Mm. Um, and I just felt devastated. Because um, it was like, well, where do I go to next? Um, you know, it was like, well, I'm, I'm still young enough. Um, unfortunately, because... Um, Sorry, I can, I can hear them in the background. <laughs> what on earth is going on with them? And I'm upstairs. Oh, I'm my upstairs. goodness. So they're actually in the kitchen with my husband. OK, there, there, is a, there is a responsible adult with there. I can, hear, I can feel Dad. <laughs> I've got two boys, four and two, and I, I can... Oh, crikey. I know exactly how your husband uh, is feeling. Paul, there, there, there will be some people listening. Mm. Uh, and let me put this to you. IVF treatment is very expensive, and there will be some people listening who say, well, hang on a second. With the NHS struggling, mm. uh, we, you know... We we, need, we do need to limit the uh, number of people and the number of attempts people have uh, at having babies through IVF to, yes. to deal with proper illnesses. What, what would you say to those people? Yeah, give everybody a chance. Um, limiting it, um, I think three is, is about right. Um, I mean, you do hear um, of, of people not being successful, even on five, six, or, or even more. Mm. Um, but I think three is about right. I mean, I, w I was lucky, and it happened first time. Um, Should we be paying for people to, uh, to be treated like this on the NHS when it isn't necessarily an illness? But it is. To, to explain why. Um, with myself, I ended up with something called POF, which is premature ovarian failure. 
And I started that, which I didn't realise, um, early 30s. Early 30s. Mm. So it's... And it's, it's, a, it's a physical, um, a physiological thing. Mm. Um, so it's not just, you know, the people um, putting off um, to get pregnant because of careers, etc., etc. There are people out there that genuinely cannot... You know, they are infertile. They, they cannot have um, a child by natural means. You've got your two boys now. Yes. They sound well and healthy. Oh, yes. Uh, 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 what have you got planned for him today? Anything fun? Um, yeah, we'll probably go to coffee morning. Oh, uh, <laughs> very nice. I'm, I'm a big... Listen, doing this, this ridiculous kind of job, I was quite often the only dad at, at coffee mornings and playgroups and things like that. It was wonderful. Why not? Oh, uh, you get spoiled. Oh, well. I do, and I, I know all the words to Zoom, Zoom, Zoom and uh, Sleeping Bunnies, all of that. <laughs> so you, you're going to go off and have a, a, a bit of fun with them today? Oh, yes, Excellent. Definitely. Yeah, now that the wind's actually calmed down as yeah, well. Yeah, you can take so, it up. And the rain stops. Paula, have a lovely day. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. Paula Moyes from High Wycombe, who uh, used IVF to get her children. Well, what do you think? I think as I get... That was my chair. I think as I get... <laughs> that wasn't. I think as I get older, my view on this is changing. I, I think as I'm kind of get older and softer, I kind of think let people have a good crack of the whip in, in the hospitals at IVF. When I was younger, I was very... Well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be paying for people to have babies. Babies is a luxury. I don't think that anymore. What do you think? Should, should we be uh, uh, allowing people to have um, IVF treatment on the NHS? 08459 455 555. Ten years ago, I didn't think that. I thought, well, no, come on, give them one, give them one chance and then that's it. But as I've progressed through life and met many people who have had babies through IVF and who have been trying for babies, kind of think, well, y- y- what it brings to their life is pretty wonderful. So, yes, we should. I think. Maybe you can convince me otherwise. Should we be allowing people to have uh, multiple chances of having children via IVF on the NHS? 08459 455 555. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me an email as well. And lots of you have been. It's been wonderful. Uh, Ian.Lee at bbc.co.uk. I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's coming up to 6.30. Let's get the travel now with Bill. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. And news just in for the A1. You've got that close in the southbound section between the Sandy Roundabout and the home base roundabout. It's all because of uh, ongoing works, in fact. The overnight works have uh, overrun. So it's looking slow now from Black Cat. And also news in for the M1 as well, northbound, between junctions 11 and 12, between Dunstable and Flittick. We've got reports of a vehicle that's caught fire. Police en route to that one. If you can help us out on that, by the way, in fact, on either of those situations, that would be much appreciated. A quick look at the trains, much better than yesterday, of course. Course, but still no trains uh, between Boxbourne and Hartford East and between Chesterton and Cambridge and you've got buses instead between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey because of that fallen tree on the line. Bill Sheldrake, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Bill. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past six, I'm Barry Caffrey. 
A Bedfordshire man who has cancer says his employer is deliberately trying to force him out of his job. Anthony Gregory, who's 26 and from Dunstable, says he's been suspended after they put unreasonable pressure on him. Hear his story after seven o'clock. Two male members of staff at the Yarlswood Immigration Centre in Bedfordshire have been sacked for having sex with a female detainee. The news was announced by the Chief Inspector of Prisons, Nick Hardwick, following a surprise inspection. The government is publishing its latest analysis of the benefits of the HS2 high-speed rail line, which would run through Buckinghamshire today. The current bill for the project to build a new line from London to the north of England is £42.6 million billion pounds rather. And the weather breezy to start with before winds ease. There'll be some blustery showers about mainly in the west, sunny spells elsewhere and maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius. That's 55 in Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports BBC Three Counties Radio Watford manager Gianfranco Zola wants goal line technology to be considered for the championship after his side came away with a one-all draw at Brighton. Watford were denied a second goal when Fernando Forestieri's shot went over the line but was not given. In the absence of technological assistance, Zola says he expects more from the officials. He wasn't uh, such a quick ball as well. It wasn't that he was with a lot of players around or whatever it was only him and the ball and the line and uh, so I'm, I'm expecting the referees to be more more attentive on, that, on those things Well in tonight's championship action Queen's Park Rangers who are third travel to Wigan Manchester United midfielder Darren Fletcher featured for the under-21s in United's two-all draw with Fulham This was the first time he's played football since Boxing Day of last year Elsewhere in the Premier League, Arsenal's Matcher Flamini has been ruled out for two to three weeks with a groin injury and England right-back Kyle Walker has signed a new contract at Tottenham Hotspur that will keep him at the club until 2019. England's women's cricketers are in action this afternoon. They're playing the West Indies in the first one-day international of the series at the Queen's Park Oval in Trinidad. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll have a full bulletin at seven. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Catherine Boyle has moved from the producers. You used to do the news, didn't you? I've just worked out who you are. Yeah. You were the woman who did the news. Did the news, yep. And now you're the producer. Yep. Isn't it funny? Do you, and and, and you, do you consider that a step forward or backwards in your career? Massive come down. Hey. Massive come down. Uh, in the next few minutes, we'll be looking at the papers. If you want to... Sorry. She's looking at them now. If you want to take part, do give us a call. 08459 455 555. We're not having candy, for goodness sakes. A dying flame. You're free again. Who could love? Live that too.
love Elkie Brooks. I'm, my mum used to love Elkie Brooks. I grew up with Elkie Brooks music. I met Elkie Brooks about 12 years ago, 11 years ago. Absolutely bonkers. Is she? Absolutely, but wonderful. Deliciously so. Deliciously bonkers. And I was quite starstruck and she was surprised that, you know, I was then, well, I was 30 then, 29, 30. Comparatively young man was starstruck in the presence of Elkie Brooks. She's very, she's very um, sensual as well. you are very sensual. <laughs> Seriously. Is she? Anyway, we just wow. had an email from Steve and Steve, yes, I agree. Now, <laughs> Catherine... You've got the front page, uh, you've got all of the newspapers. You're looking at, at filth in the sun. I'm looking at Madonna. If anyone's forgotten what Madonna looks like with no top on, life. as if we could forget. Please. She shows us every now and again. Uh, page three is a Madonna Fest. Oh, dear. Of, of her younger years. So this, this is some pictures she took when she was a struggling... Uh, well, she was an artist model, wasn't she? Was she was an artist model. She got paid ten bucks an hour to strip off completely naked. She looked... It, it looked leathery even then, didn't it? Nice it's hat. It's the comedy hat. Yeah, nice hat. I never understand why nudists... I know she's not being... In, well, she is just temporarily here. Wear socks and hats. Well, All or nothing, surely. The extremities, isn't it? The, the, your heat escapes from your feet but, and your head. But I thought you were going with nature. You weren't born with a hat on. I don't, uh, I don't like nudists. Or sitting on a towel. I've been to that Spielplatz. Have you? I went there, yeah. For Did a... you disrobe? No, I didn't. They wanted me to. I went into the sauna in my jeans and shirt. <laughs> they were all in the nuddy. And what they did is they tricked me. They got a couple of really hot women in there as well to confuse me. But you're sat there in the bar, and then you don't want to see a fella with his legs wide open, and, it, you know, his John... You don't want to see that. And I said, you know, I, they were very, very nice people. I was well looked after. But... Do you think it's something you would get used to? If it was just there all the time. Not in the bar. I mean, no. And I don't even like being naked at home. <laughs> I have to close my eyes when I strip for the shower. Put, a, put a, the towel over all the mirrors. Fingers over nipples. Yes. Uh, Camelot are in trouble. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I, Why? You rotten lot, says the Daily Express. Outcry at 6.2 million Camelot bungle. National lottery bosses last night faced mounting pressure to pay out in full a huge jackpot they claim was miscalculated due to human error. Oh, so basically, they said the total, the, the prize fund, the estimated prize fund is £6.2 million. Chris Evans says, before he presses the button, £6.2 million. Here we go, everyone, as he released the balls. Uh, and then a, a, a syndicate won the money. Turns out it wasn't £6.2 million, It was £4.8 million. <gasps> Now, that's still a significant amount of money to be shared between a group of people, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I but they shouldn't tell you you've won a certain amount and then it not be true. Well, Surely I, they're obliged, aren't they? Now it's only one point four. Only one point four million. I could manage on that. I could manage on that. One point four million less, and it is a significant amount of, of money. But I just think, jog on, Gina Nolan and and the other people who are complaining. Can you spot? Sorry, this is a, this is Gina Nolan. Can you spot her daughter in that picture? <laughs> It's her, but ten years it's younger. It's a woman who looks exactly the same. I just think, for goodness sakes, you, you've won the money. We're, we're too greedy in this country, Catherine. We're too greedy in this country. Well, let's see how you'd feel if you thought you'd won a significant quantity of money. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Jermaine Greer sells... Sorry. Do, sorry, do that I was posi- positioning the show and, and uh, enticing the callers to take part. And I was entranced by Jermaine Greer's draws. Oh, eight four five nine. Is that as far as we've got that you're you're making uh, innuendo about um, one of the world's leading feminists? Go. 08459 455 555 if you'd like to take part in this fun fest. I adore Jermaine Greer, but I wouldn't pay £1.8 million for her, essentially, 
bits and bobs. What's she selling? Um, she's selling her um, archive, including her quote unquote nutter's drawer. Every letter she's ever received. Ooh. She's had a few. Oh, oh, now, come on. That would be good. I'll have a look, but I'm not paying for it. Once you've read them, you've read them, haven't you? She should publish them in a book. She should. Listen, you're saying that you're in the same room with a man who just got excited that a, a, D, a CD, not even a DVD, a CD and a, a vinyl record is being released for $250. I'm anticipating playing a very long record this morning so I can sign up for it. Really? So I, w- I would, I'd buy, you know, if Jermaine people... Greer. If I could clear out my draw, I wonder if people would pay for that. Um, so, yeah, Jermaine Greer's doing that. And also, this, this story here, which I don't think's a story. Yeah. Come on, Daily Mail. One in three kids use mobiles before they can talk. Nearly a third of children now learn to use a mobile phone or a tablet computer before they can talk, reports uh, revealed. Yeah. Uh, there's a picture of me, age two, holding a plastic telephone to my ear. Does that count? Everyone does that. You copy what you see. You copy what you see. And their phones are more, so much more than... They're, they're picture devices. They're toys. It's a game. It's a toy. It's a thing that goes up and down. That's what they are. It is quite a frightening thing, though, that my two-year-old can work the iPad when my mum can't. Yeah. But they need to do this stuff. It's their future, isn't it? Are you a fan of the poppy? Yes. I, um... I, I have to be, because I work for the BBC. If you do a BBC television programme... They, they hand them out. They hand them out. They sort of insist as well that you wear them, which I think is a little bit unfair. I was on Sky at the weekend, and the suggestion was made, would you like to wear a poppy? I said, no, it's not November yet. I'll, I'll, uh, it's not November, so I think it's a little bit... I think the season's open, though, isn't it? It, it, it is open season. season. I, it, there is always that rush, isn't there? It's like the first cuckoo of spring, the first person to be, to, to be seen wearing a poppy. Uh, we should get that... Gen- Do you remember last year? We had that gentleman in who um, was, was uh, selling poppies, and I think it was at the, the shopping centre in Luton wouldn't give him free parking. Or something. He was a very, um, he was a forceful character. And a forthright man. And a forthright man. Can we get him back? Should we try? I, I'm in a quandary this year because, you know, those paper ones, yep. they always fall out, don't they? Yeah, well, that's. Um, or that's, scrumple up and that's look rubbish. the trick. So I bought one of those ex- like more expensive ones, yeah. the actual brooches. Yeah. He won't approve of that, will he? No. Did you buy that last year? How many years ago did you buy it? I bought. I bought, I bought it last year. It's the gift that keeps on giving. But anyway. it was expensive, so surely it does more good. A Methodist... The reason I mention this, the Times, page five, a Methodist minister who is not willing to wear a red poppy should not conduct a remembrance survey uh, service, uh, a local ex-serviceman said. The Reverend Patricia Jackson uh, says that um, the, the, the red poppy advocates war, so she's going to wear the white poppy. Now, the white poppy is... Because I, I, the white poppy is a pacifist... Mm-hmm. Symbol. I'm kind of, you know, I dig peace, man. But I don't think the red poppy is about war. It's about remembrance of the blood that was spilt. He's not saying that it was a good thing, is it? Do you know what the um, uh, the leaf represents? Oh, you're supposed to have it at a certain time, pointing to... Which a... time do you think that might be? 11? Correct, yeah. I only learned that this morning. So there you go. But who can keep tabs on the leaf? It's who could keep around. tabs on a leaf? Anything else, or should we wrap this up? Um, I think I'm done. You sure? Um, Anything there? No. Is there a, um, no, that's it. Okay, thanks, Catherine. Play a song. Oh, we're not. Kelly Betts, we're not playing candy. Would you keep putting that in the play or, playing order? N- uh, no, that's just, it just keeps appearing. For goodness sakes. Awful Sars. song. Awful song. 08459 455 555. In a little bit, we will be uh, talking about aliens. Do you believe in aliens? Are you uh, 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 a believer? I do think it's arrogant and selfish not to believe in aliens. We have to believe in them. It's a mathematical certainty that they exist out there. The universe, 
the galaxies, the Milky Ways. There's only one of those. I don't really know space. I wish I did. I don't get those people who think that stars look like the plough and the bear. That's nonsense, isn't it? But if you don't believe in aliens, then there is something very, very wrong with you. They must exist. Not like ghosts. We all know that ghosts don't exist. That's um, complete and utter nonsense. But aliens, they have to exist. And that, I'm going to say now, is the official line of the BBC. 08459 455 555 is the phone number, if you want to give us a call on that. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, or you can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Do put your name on as well, if you wouldn't mind, so we know who you are. Right, eight, uh, 6.45 exactly, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the latest travel. I'll get lost. Travel news for beds, hards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Motorways looking quite slow now. M25 anti-clockwise around Junction 20 Kings Langley. And it's a business up again from Maple Cross 17 up to the M40 at Junction 16. Seeing that gradual build-up now for the A1 as well in Boreham Road around Sterling Corner. Checking the trains. Disruption with Greater Anglia between Broxbourne and Hartford East and between Chesnut and Cambridge due to those overhead line issues. And you've got buses replacing trains with London Midlands between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey due to the falling tree on the line. Trains not expected to resume, in fact, until tomorrow. Bill Sheldrake, BBC Three Counties Radio. Bill, thank you very much. Right, 6.46, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines. A Dunstable cancer patient claims heavy-handed treatment from his employers is forcing him out of his job. A random inspection into Yarlswood Immigration Centre near Bedford found that two male staff had engaged in sexual activity with a female detainee. And in the championship last night, Watford drew one all with Brighton. Coming up, aliens. Not That's not a reference to Elizabeth Rizzini, that's just a coincidence. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Thanks very much, Ian. You're very welcome. <laughs> well, it's a day of sunshine and showers today. It's still quite breezy, but not really on a par with yesterday. A much calmer day. We are seeing a fine and a dry start for just about everywhere across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. It is still quite windy. The brisk westerly wind is going to blow in a few showers, I dare say, through the course of the morning, perhaps into the first part of the afternoon. But I think it will be a nice dry end to the day, and there'll be some good spells of sunshine around. It's a fairly chilly start. Temperatures typically between 6 and 8 degrees. And by the time we get to the afternoon, we're looking at highs between 10 and 12 degrees Celsius, 54 in Fahrenheit. So it's colder than it has been recently. And it will feel particularly chilly, I think, if you're in exposure to that uh, fairly brisk wind still. So some good spells of sunshine, but on the chilly side, and it will feel quite cold overnight tonight as well. In fact, temperatures dipping low enough for a grass frost, particularly in the rural spots, holding at around 4 or 5 degrees in many of the towns. So a very crisp autumn humnal start to the day tomorrow but once more fine and dry although the wind will start to pick up and the cloud will increase from the west as we head into the afternoon that's going to be some outbreaks of rain that spread in by Wednesday evening but for half term week I have to say it is going to be largely fine and dry there will be a few showers around at times it'll always be quite breezy and it is going to turn quite wet and quite windy again at the weekend that's the forecast thank you very much 
Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you... Going from the same to, to Bond was rather like a, a diamond being put into a much more expensive, intricate setting. I believe women have affairs because they seek love and affirmation. So, you know, my marriage went wrong and I had an affair, but I would not have done that had I not been unhappy, I think. I left school wanting to be a magician, but my mother wouldn't let me because my Auntie Maureen was in show business and she was a naughty lady. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Steve the Milkman is on the line. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, and how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Steve. What can I do for you? There's three things. Firstly, um, I forgive you for making it rain yesterday. Yeah, I'll be... Because you haven't played Candy twice, which is really good. We will not be playing that awful song on this show. So I can't thank you enough. You're welcome. Secondly... I think people should wear the public because it's nothing to do with war. It's remembering the fallen people, and it's not just the people who have, it's the people who are still fighting now for us. But what about the white poppy, Stephen? Because that, that's still remembering those that have fallen for us, but it's also making a statement, I don't believe in war. I don't really know about the white poppy. I don't know where the money goes on the white poppy. I think it, I would... Im- we'll, we'll do a little research. I would imagine... Um, if my team can stop stuffing their faces, I would imagine it, the money goes to the Royal British Legion. But we will we will investigate that further this morning. Right. And thirdly, yes, I do believe in aliens. Ooh. There must be some intelligent life out there because there's none on this planet. But um, bum bum, Steve. Thank you very much indeed. Oh, for goodness' sakes, we're not playing this flipping song. Can we just stop that for a second, please? Right. Okay. Let's try this. Oh no! Hang on a second. What is going on? There we go. That's yes, thank you. Stop it. This is much better. Way back when we started, there was a part of me that knew one day there'd be hiding, and I would lose myself to you, and I walked all night. In the silent city lights Thinking of you Wondering where I lose my mind After all I'm excited That you're in my life again After all I'm delighted To be back where we began I believe that you can Fall in love
stars in a sleepless, empty night. Dreaming of you, and in those dreams you stole mine. Okay, so Catherine has uh, found out where the money for the white poppy goes to. It doesn't go to the Royal British Legion. Catherine, where does it go to, please? It goes to the uh, an organisation called the Peace Pledge Union, and the money goes to further their educational project. Who, who are they? They are. Let's see. Uh, mm. Shall I come back to you later? Yeah, this is real time research. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, Catherine. That's interesting. If anyone knows any more about the White Poppy, 08459 555 555. The Legion refused it? Yeah, the Legion refused the money, apparently. Why? The groups that initiated the White Poppies in 1933 asked the British Legion to make them so that the money raised could go towards the Legion, but the Legion refused. Oh. Since then, the Legion's been asked twice by the Peace Pledge Union and refused on both occasions. Interesting. OK, well, this, this, there's a story in this somewhere. This, let's do a little bit more investigation. Maybe not on the air, but we'll, we'll find out. And we will get the uh, gentleman we had in last year, the Major or the Colonel, to come in and we'll have a chat and ask him about his opinion about that. Now, aliens, they're out there. You know it. Well, a local man claims he has proof of extraterrestrial life and he's been surveying their activities, which includes mining comets from his back garden in Hertfordshire. We sent our very own uh, spooky moulder, Justin Dealey, to conduct his own investigation. Justin, where have you been and what have you been up to? <laughs> Morning, boss. I've, uh, I've been to Bovingdon to meet Geoffrey Crockford, who is uh, an alien expert and biolocation enthusiast. Now, he claims, Ian, that he has proof that aliens exist because he has a few pegs in his back garden. Now, he also said to me, I know what you two are like, OK? You are going to take the mickey out of me, but people out there, they will be scared that I have proof that aliens exist. Are you scared, Ian? Well, I- I'm uh, constantly scared, but that's just yeah. because I'm on the run from the law. <laughs> let's Let's... let's Play the audio. And, dear listener, if this scares you, 08459 455 555. Should we have a listen? Yes. So here we are. We're, we're standing in your back garden. There is a new comet, and you claim that you have proof that aliens are mining this comet. Can you tell us what you've discovered here in your back garden in Hertfordshire? Well, what we've done, we've used um, biolocation techniques to get a picture derived from the magnetic fields of the comet. So using these magnetic fields, we can draw out a picture of the comet, we can identify the core, we can identify the mushy bit around the outside of the core which contains the water and the gases and the carbon dioxide and anything, and particularly the tail, which is the bit that most people go for when they look at the uh, thing through binoculars, they see this spot of light with a tail behind it. So we've got the whole comet actually mapped out here on the, uh, the lawn. And our group believe that they have now got fairly good evidence that this is in fact the case and that some of these extraterrestrials extraterrestrials, um, have cottoned onto this comet some time ago and have started mining it for various materials which are of use to them. 
And what we've done using our magnetic methodologies is to identify the mining ships and the actual mines in the comet itself. Now you say they're mining it for materials such as? Uh, it'd be aluminium, silicon, there are about six mines, carbon dioxide, organics and xenon, uh, they're doing for xenon, and also uh, water. And what type of group of aliens are we talking about here, do you know? And this particular group we've designated as S. Gilf. Sounds scary. And the Gilf stands for Galactic Intelligent Life Form. So what do they look like then? Polymorphic species, actually. The actual worker type one is about four foot six, and um, they have uh, the normal arms and legs um, and a head, but they are carnivorous, so they actually feed on meat. Now, you claim you have proof. Now, with the greatest amount of respect, uh, we're standing in your back garden here and you've got a few pegs on the grass. Mm. Is that really proof? That is proof if you're able to monitor the magnetic fields. All you've got to do is to come in, monitor the fields, and you can have people completely ignorant of what is here, mm. and they will actually pick up the same fields as somebody else who did it the day before or some other time. Now what about NASA because you often copy in NASA to your emails to us at the radio station. What have they had to say about this? With a bit of luck they'll begin to start a bit, taking a bit of notice of our new methodologies. Yeah I was going to say, I mean you have proof. I mean just lastly I say this flippantly but um, how long is it going to be before I can walk down to my local pub and have a conversation with an alien? Realistically how long is that going to take? That's going to be a long while uh, because the aliens are very advanced compared with us, mm. both technically and one day, though. One day. Undoubtedly one day. Should we be scared, or is this a prospect that we should be excited about? Excited. There's no need to be scared, because they would have been down here ruling the roost, so to speak, a long time ago, if we uh, had to be scared of them. They are obviously looking on the Earth as something which has to be um, looked after, and if necessary, protected. OK, well, that, that is rather spooky evidence. Does that frighten you, Justin? Thank you for that. Do you believe in aliens? You'd be a fool not to. Oh, wait, 459-455-555. Oh, go away. Oh, for goodness sakes, go away. Ah! Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's deal with the trains then. Store buses instead of trains with London Midlands between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. You've got that falling tree on the line and disruption with greater angular services. Broxbourne to Hartford East and Chesant to Cambridge. Uh, you've now got half-hour delays as well with East Coast Kings Cross to Stevenage due to the poor rail conditions. And to the motorways, nothing unusual happily. Uh, it's building up now M25 anti-clockwise from 17 to 16. A bit, uh, bit busy now for Watford now for Stevenson Way. Bill Sheldrake, BBC Three. Counties Radio. Bill, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Coming up in the next hour of the show, we'll be speaking to a young man who feels he's been untreated fairly at work just because he has cancer. Well, have you struggled at work? Have you been treated or discriminated against because you have an ongoing condition? 08459 455 555. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 
7 o'clock, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, Dunstable man diagnosed with cancer says employer is trying to force him out of his job. Yarlswood staff sacked over inappropriate behaviour and Watford manager calling for goal line technology to be introduced. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedfordshire man who has cancer says his employer is deliberately trying to force him out of his job. Anthony Gregory, who's 26 and from Dunstable, says he's been suspended after they put unreasonable pressure on him. Liz Egan is from Macmillan Cancer Support and told Ian this morning that most employers do do the right thing. For every bad employer out there, there are many really good employers as well who behave very humanely and they reap the rewards because, you know, um, retaining somebody who's skilled in the workforce, but also in terms of morale for other staff by actually doing the right thing, you know, that creates a lot of respect for the employer. Well, Anthony will be telling his story to Ian after this bulletin. A 27-year-old man from High Wycombe has been charged with grooming and sexual activity with underage girls. Luke Fisher, formerly of Vipont Court, has been bailed to appear at Wycombe Magistrates Court on the 11th of November. A former BBC driver who failed to turn up at his trial for allegedly abusing a 12-year-old boy in the 1980s has been found dead at his home. David Smith, who was 67 and from South London, was the first person to be prosecuted as a result of the police investigation into historical sex abuse launched as a result of the Jimmy Savile scandal. Further improvements are needed at Yarlswood Immigration Centre near Bedford. That's according to a report by the Chief Inspector of Prisons as a result of the latest unannounced inspection at the removal centre. With more, here's Tony Fisher. Though inspectors acknowledged improvements had been made, they were concerned to find two staff had engaged in sexual activity with a female detainee. These staff have now been dismissed. There were also concerns over the lack of progress of immigration cases and the fact that a number of women had been detained for very long periods, one for almost four years. Pregnant women had also been detained without evidence of the exceptional circumstances required to justify this. The unannounced inspections were carried out in late June and late September this year. Prospective parents in Buckinghamshire are being put at a severe disadvantage when it comes to IVF treatment. That's according to specialists at the country's best-known conception centre, Bourne Hall. The NHS in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire adhere to NICE guidelines offering three full cycles of treatment thought to be adequate. But in Buckinghamshire, you'll only be offered one and the maximum age is 35, significantly lower than in beds and hearts where 42-year-olds can get treatment. In the championship last night, Watford manager Gianfranco Zola has called for goal line technology to be introduced after his side drew one all at Brighton. Watford were denied a second goal when Fernando Forestieri's shot appeared to go over the line before it was cleared by Gordon Greer. And the weather forecast after a dry, bright and sunny start. Cloud will develop later this morning. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius. That's 55 in Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you very much. Morning, it's Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show this morning. As always, keen to get your thoughts on these stories, please. Including, I'll be speaking in a few minutes, to the Dunstable man accusing his employers of trying to force him out of work after he was diagnosed with cancer. Prospective parents in Buckinghamshire are losing out in the IVF postcode lottery. But can we afford to give everyone a decent chance? And aliens, the truth is out there, as according to a man who's been monitoring their activities from his nerve centre. Well... 
is, is in his back garden, to be honest. You may have just heard the report there from Justin. Did it scare you? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Dennis is in Dunstable. Good morning, Dennis. Morning, Ian. Ah, good morning, Dennis. Uh, the alien, they say, I'm an alien, by the way. Oh, yes. I'm from Manchester, didn't I? Yeah, you go. I'm you alien said. to you lot down here. You certainly are. No, when, are you, when, are you go, when are you going back? I'm not going back. Oh. I'm not. Listen, I'm a carnivore. I'm going to eat a lot of you. Right. <laughs> no, this this chap I can understand. This was, the gen- this was the gentleman that uh, yeah. Justin Daly was and speaking to, who yeah. um, has, has, well, he's, he's more adamant aliens exist than perhaps other people are. Well, perhaps he is, but I'm, I like you. I believe it. it, it be impossible to say there are not aliens in, in the universe because it's so vast. Yes. Right. So fair enough. He's discovered. He thinks he's found some. But after all, we are aliens on this planet to start with because when life started here, it was in a multitude of forms. We just happened to be the most aggressive. Yeah. And we've beaten everybody back, so we are in fact aliens to start with, because all the rest of the animals should be well, friends of ours. Well, well, no, we're not aliens. That, that, that doesn't mean we come from another planet. Because, no, we, because... we've, well, we've, well, no, it doesn't. How do you know we didn't come from another planet? Well, I don't know that, uh, you know, Dennis. You know, it's, uh, we could have been seeded, but the other thing that worries Sorry, me Sorry, we, we, we could have been what? Seeded. Who seeded you? God knows, I don't know. I should hate to think what it looks like. Uh, okay. But, but no, this fellow, he's, he's all right, he thinks that, but that these people would be more intelligent. But doesn't yeah. he realise, if he says they're carnivores, they may be keeping us like a ranch, ready to eat us when oh. we got to the right state. Oh, we're being farmed by... You know, it's, it's just as, it's one of his, well, it's my theory, and it shouldn't match his theory. Either. You're probably too old and leathery for them, for the no, aliens, aren't you? No, I'm, no, I'm getting to the best part now, the juicy bit. Oh, I'm going to cut you off now. Thank you. There we go. What a horrible image that was of Dennis's juicy bit. Now, uh, on to slightly more serious things. A Dunstable cancer patient claims heavy-handed treatment from his employers is forcing him out of his job. Anthony Gregory was diagnosed last year, and while he admits uh, the shock and confusion it caused led to his making mistakes at the shop where he works, his bosses have been, uh, he claims, hugely unsympathetic, and it's clear they want uh, want him out. Anthony joins me now. Anthony, just just reminder, let's not mention the, the shop today, OK, yeah. if, we, if we can. Uh, going back to, to, to being ill, when did you realise that, that something was wrong with you? Um, well, it was just slowly going on. Well, I was at work at the time and well, I went to the toilet and it started off with just a bit of blood, but um, didn't seem anything um, serious at the time. Uh, my friend just said it probably just dehydrated or anything like that, but it sort of progressed from there. Um, I had pain and everything in my stomach and things like that for about three years. Yeah. But the doctors were going on saying it's IBS and whatever else. Right. Um, but I knew it wasn't because I wasn't having all the symptoms of IBS. And then, uh, yeah, after the bit of blood, basically, they um, they done a camera and they found the tumour from there. So it's, it's bladder cancer? Yeah. Isn't it? Uh, and how long ago were you diagnosed with that? Uh, it's about a year ago. About now. a year ago. Yeah. Uh, and what's your reaction? When you get told you've got cancer like that? Well, I'd only found out a week before that um, my girlfriend had fallen pregnant with my little boy. Right. So it was a bit of a, a hard hit, um, basically. Um, I just took it very hard. Um, anxiety and panic attacks come yeah. sort of straight away from there, really. And, well, it's just 
unbelievable to try and deal with. You're a young man as well. Can I ask how old you are? I'm 26. 26. Yep. Okay. At what point did you tell your employer that you had something wrong with you? Straight away. And what did they say? What was their reaction? Um, well, I say they were like sympathetic at, at first and everything. Um, but then, well, <laughs> it did sort of end up sort of going around the store before I even told anyone anyway. Really? Yeah. So the, you, you told what? I'm assuming you're the store manager. Yeah. Uh, and then, what, a day later, people are kind of gossiping and saying, oh, sorry, you got cancer, mate. Well, yeah, I just found out within a few days that a couple of other people end up knowing about it without right. me sort of knowing that they knew. Yeah. And so, yeah, it sort of started from there, really. And that must have been disappointing. Yeah. Because I'm sure with something like that, it, it's one of the, the, the key factors is it's your decision who and when you tell, isn't it? Yeah. So what happened then? Um, well, the company ended up just say, saying um, what well, their reason was that they thought it was necessary for certain people to know. Mm. So that's why it sort of got leaked out a bit. Okay. And so I don't, I didn't agree with that. But. And, and at what point did things start becoming more uncomfortable for you at work? Um, I think it was just after my first operation, really, and because like of having, after having time off and my anxiety was. Like I said, it was ridiculous. Like, it would just come across me any time. Um, I could wake up in the morning and I just wouldn't be able to control it. And right. so then that'd be more time off or or wasn't, say, pulling my weight at work, you might say, mm. because, because I just wasn't my normal self. And I haven't been since I've been diagnosed. So, it's, like I said, it's been a, it was a big ongoing problem. Um, and then, yeah, I raised a lot about it and then it sort of got sorted but then more pushed to the side, really. How much time were you taking off? Um, well, I took the, at least two weeks from the operation, right. um, even even though I had been told that it, I could a t actually take up to, like, five weeks off yeah. because, well, they said that really after my operation I wouldn't even be able to lift a, a kettle of water. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, but I went back I went back to work and... Um, yeah, and then from then, like I said, yeah, there has been times where I've taken a day or so off here, here and there because, well, I just wake up and I'm just not, mm. yeah, I'm just not myself. I just uh, when you take time off because of the operation and, and because of your anxiety, what what, what do they? What have your bosses said? Um, a couple of times they've been like, okay, that's fine. And then when I do go back, it's like you need to sort yourself out. If you don't sort yourself out, you're going to lose your job. Or if you don't, if you're not going to lose your job, you're going to be demoted, and it's just constantly threatening me with things that are going to happen to me, which is more stress. What do they mean? You got to sort yourself out. Exactly. What do they mean? Like, I've got to get back to my normal self, just like that. Yeah. So, which is not possible. And you, and they threatened you with with losing your job or, or being demoted. Yep. You have done in your own, by your own admission, you have done some silly things, though, haven't you? Yeah. What was this about you taking some documents? Um, well, I had an investigate. Well, a number of investigations within two weeks of me going back to work after my operation, um, put under a great deal of stress. And then the last investigation I was going through, um, well, the, the manager that was taking it on was quite intimidating. Mm. Um, and, and what does an investigation mean? How does how, how does that work? Well, they just go on um, like what what's happened and right. um, basically how they can find out. What, um, how the mistake was made or anything like that. So yeah. constantly asking a lot of questions and making it... He was basically making out, like, um, I'm purposely doing it wrong or something like that. Right. Um, but, yeah, and then it sort of progressed from there. I I panicked. I started having an anxiety attack. Um, 
and yeah we went out I left the office um then he had left the office and I come back in the office and yeah I took the paperwork what paperwork did you take um it was investigation notes right why did you take that because I felt um well, that, like I said, I'm not sure. I just panicked. I, yeah. I wasn't in the right state of mind. I, I went through a mind blank as well after that. I don't really remember a lot that sort of went on from there. But um, at the same time, it was just like I didn't want anything to progress while I wasn't there either. Yeah. So that's why I did take it. Um, but I left the shop. I, I was in a complete state. Um, I rang my dad straight away. Um, and he advised me that the best thing to do is to calm down and sort of collect myself together and take the paperwork back straight away so and that's what i did okay where are you at now well they've suspended you haven't they yeah yeah because of that incident yeah and can you understand why they might have suspended you for taking those documents yeah i'm not that's what i'm saying with the mistakes and i'm not saying i deny the mistakes and things like that but all I'm saying is is that could have been a bit more sympathetic they could have um, worked around it a bit better instead of putting me straight into investigations on my first day back after after an operation again so sorry they they started why did they start investigating you on the first day back after the operation apparently there was um, I'd left money out or something like that in the office um, three weeks beforehand right okay and I had my operation a few days after that and they're trying to put all these questions on me we're not I was, how was I supposed to remember? Do you do you feel that you're being unfairly treated by yeah. them because because of your illness? Because you're taking time off work because of your illness? Because I think it causes issues with their company, mm. which is I, I I'm not saying that that is um, I, t- I totally disagree with that because obviously you got to think about the company's needs and things like that. But you need to think about your staff as well. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I can't help it. I didn't want this. Mm. Like, I didn't want to have cancer. I didn't want to have to go through all this stress and mm. be how i am now you know what i mean and if i could change it all and I, I would okay so we, we're running out of time so very quickly yeah. when did, how long does the suspension last what do you know i don't know as far as i know i just i got to keep myself open apparently for right. whenever they're... and are you being paid during the suspension yeah okay right uh, how is the bladder cancer now is that gone is it is it you still tr- working on it um well like i said the operation was a couple of weeks ago now three three and a half weeks ago um they took another small sort of tumour out and I've got to go back on a course now for further treatment um, okay. of mitotosin I think it's called right. and that's got to be for six weeks so hopefully that's going to be something that helps but, but the prognosis is good they can they reckon they can get rid of it and well they say yeah that it is manageable and everything like that um, there is 70, 70% chance of reoccurrence mm-hmm. which is this is my second reoccurrence over the year okay. um, but there's only a 10% chance of progression okay and you said you mentioned uh, your girlfriend was pregnant I'm assuming that baby is, is around now yeah. what is it boy or girl yeah I'm a little boy three, three months old now oh man you've got some hard work coming yeah. ahead of you I tell you yeah. uh, listen Anthony I really appreciate you coming in this morning yeah. and, and do keep in touch and let us know what happens yeah will do thank you very much this is Anthony Gregory feels he's been unfairly treated by uh, his employer because of his condition and uh, the, the, the things that go with that well if you've had a similar experience 08459 BBC Three Counties Radio let's get the travel now with Bill. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
You've got buses and cellar trains with London Midlands between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey because of the falling tree on the line that's going to be in place until tomorrow. Uh, that's when services will come back to normal. Disruption on Greater Anglia services. Broxbourne to Hartford East and Chesnut to Cambridge due to the overhead line issue. Services uh, have come back again, but they might still be cancelled or delayed at short notice. So be aware of that. And also King's Cross to Stevenage. Uh, late finish of engineering works and the poor rail conditions means you've got uh, possibly half-hour waits uh, for that. Uh, for the roads and the motorways, pretty much back to normal. Nowhere near as bad as it was yesterday. Heavy going. M25 anti-clockwise, 17 to 16. Uh, and also build up now on the A1 from Sterling Corner to Apex Corner. That's heading southbound, of course. Bill Sheldrake, BBC Three Counties Radio. Bill, thank you very much. We should just read the statement out from the company that uh, Anthony uh, works for. We're not going to mention the company's name, but they say Mr Gregory was suspended on the 25th of October 2013 after a serious breach of his contractual obligations. The matter is currently being investigated in line with our internal procedures and we will revert to Mr Gregory as to the next steps of this process once our investigations have been concluded. Right, 7.17, it's Tuesday the 29th of October. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Dunstable man is hitting out at what he sees as unsympathetic treatment from his employers as he undergoes treatment for cancer. The government is publishing its latest analysis of the benefits of the HS2 high-speed rail line which would run through Buckinghamshire today. Championship manager Gianfranco Zola feels that his Watford side were denied a win at Brighton last night after coming away with a one-all draw. The weather, dry, bright and sunny for the morning, cloud developing later, maximum temperature of 13 degrees. Coming up, prospective parents in Buckinghamshire are losing out in the IVF postcode lottery. But can we afford to give everyone a decent chance? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine, the biggest local talking points. There is only one professional force that can control chemical weapons. How can we, as a civilised country, stand by and let more poor innocent children get killed? The JVS Show. Harry's in Bedford. Let's see what Harry wants to say. She knew what the laws were. She knew what she was doing. She got caught tough. I disagree with the penalty. I think that for smuggling drugs, it shouldn't be a death penalty. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't forget, you can give us a call 08459 455 555 at any point. You can also send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Now, the UK's best-known IVF centre, Bourne Hall, is calling for an end to the postcode lottery that puts prospective parents in Buckinghamshire at a severe disadvantage. The NHS in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire adhere to NICE guidelines, offering three full cycles. Level Bornhall says gives you a decent chance of success. But in Buckinghamshire, you'll only be offered one cycle, and the maximum age is 35, significantly lower than in beds and hearts, where 42-year-olds can get treatment. Claire Lewis-Jones is the Chief Executive of Infertility Network UK. Uh, Claire, you want to see all this cleared up and a uniform set of guidelines in place across the country, is that right? Uh, yes, it is completely right. I mean, there are guidelines. Um, the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence produced clinical guidelines for the treatment of infertility uh, based on clinical effectiveness and cost effectiveness. And they recommended three full cycles for couples up to the age of 39 and uh, recently for those between 40 and 42 who haven't had any IVF at all 
could access, they recommended, one cycle. Um, but sadly, it, the guideline is precisely that, a guideline. It's not mandatory to implement. And so we end up with this situation of varying levels of uh, fertility treatment on the NHS across the whole of England. Can we afford it, Claire? Well, you know, one would ask the question, well, how come, you know, the whole of Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire can um, afford to implement the three full cycles, and yet others can't? Um, We feel, as I said, the guideline was based not just on clinical effectiveness, but on cost-effectiveness, you know, looking at what the NHS could afford. And um, so, yeah, I, I believe we can. But when there are people who are being refused um, cancer drugs because of, of uh, it can't be afforded and other treatments because of lack of funds in the NHS, should we really be paying for people to try and have babies if they can't? Should they not just accept that maybe they can't have babies? Well, it's not as easy as that, just accepting it. I mean, infertility um, is an illness, is a disease. It's recognised by the World Health Organisation as such. Um, it's recognised by not just this government but previous governments as something that should be available on the NHS. That's why it was sent to NICE in the first place. So, you know, I do think it's, it is... I know there's not a bottomless pit, but I go back to of money available for people. But I go back to the point that the guideline is also based on cost-effectiveness. They're not saying give IVF to absolutely everybody. It's saying give IVF to those who stand um, a good chance of success. We heard from someone earlier on in the show, Claire, who'd like to see the age raised to 42, and that's what NICE recommends, but it seems that's not the case everywhere, doesn't it? No, the, the, um, the one cycle for couples where the female's 40 to 42 was only uh, recommended in the reviewed guideline in February of this year. Obviously, the NHS has gone through a big change. We now have the clinical commissioning groups they're sort of bedding in, if you like, and they're going to have to sort of review everything that they're funding, including IVF. So it wasn't going to happen overnight. And indeed, you know, the original guideline, which was published in 2004, as we've already identified, still hasn't been fully implemented everywhere. Um, And, you know, this applies to this additional cycle that the new guideline also recommended. But again, it was based on clinical and cost effectiveness. So, you know, we would urge clinical commissioning groups to review the, the their funding for IVF treatment in light of the, the new NICE guideline and to put the recommendations into place. How can, how can any sort of uniformity be achieved? With a lot of hard work. The, you know, if we could have this guideline um, decided upon centrally, that would help. That's what happens um, in Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland. The decision is made centrally by government. But in England, it's left up to the, um, previously the PCTs, of which there were 152. Now, CCGs, there's 211. And um, they're all making their own individual decisions. It would be much better if this could be decided centrally for equality. Claire, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much uh, indeed. That's Claire Lewis-Jones, Chief Executive of Infertility Network UK. What do you think? 08459 455 555. Should uh, the NHS be paying for people to try and have babies if they... uh, It would seem naturally... Naturally. uh, They can't. They need an extra help. Now, ten years ago, I think I would have said no.
But as I get older and, uh, um, yes, I'll say it, wiser, I think they should be. And I think there should be a fair, uniform system across the country. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you uh, 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 know someone who has been refused treatment for something because the drugs are too expensive, but then you see people having babies on the NHS. Not quite like that, but... 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to uh, give us a call on the subject uh, of aliens. Facebook comments. Uh, uh, my, uh, Thomas says, nonsense, you can't prove any, anything, Lee, you stupid human. Dwayne says, aliens, uh, it might be possible. There's a gentleman in uh, St Albans who um, believes there are aliens here. We can't say for certain there's nothing out there. And Russell Clark says, Ian, if they found evidence of gilfs, mining the comet, I look forward to the next one arriving full of milfs. I don't quite know what that means. Tricia says, uh, think there are, but they look like us. They're walking amongst us. 08459 455 555. Should have a little look at uh, the front pages. Whenever Catherine comes into the paper, she always leaves them in such a flipping mess. Just, just, you know, a little bit, keeps things a little bit tidy, Catherine. I'm busy. Oh, I've got my finger trapped in my headphones. Oh, for goodness sakes. Uh, let's have a look. The Times, there are some dudes windsurfing, man. Wow. Windsurfers make the most of St Jude's Day storm yesterday, taking to the waters off North Devon. Wowzers. Uh, then the uh, slightly smaller uh, uh, caption than that picture, which I would imagine this is perhaps the slightly more important side of it. Five dead. A storm takes its toll. Toll? Toll. I never know how to say that word. I would say toll. Toll. Kelly, how would you say it? Toll. Thank you. Toll. Takes its toll on the south. Uh, Britain hacked US secrets and there's a picture of he's 28, he looks about 15 Laurie Love um, a vicar's son has been charged with stealing thousands of computer files from the US government in what the experts believe is the most thank you, serious computer hacking case to date um, ow, I think you dropped a newspaper on my back really hard The Guardian um, uh, delay probation shake-up or risk deaths, Grayling is told. Well, this is a story we featured on here quite a few times, isn't it? Senior figures warn Justice Secretary not to rush through privatisation plans. Three leading figures in the probation service have warned the Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, he must delay his probation service privatisation plan for at least six months or face inevitable protection failures and risks to public safety. Risks to public safety. The Daily Telegraph is a picture of that house uh, in Hounslow that, um, well, it blew up. That's an incredible picture. Gas canisters, I think, were um, uh, were damaged. Um, and, uh, well, it's just an incredible picture. Wow. Jobs for Britain, not immigrants. David Cameron says young people must be better equipped to compete with Eastern Europeans if they're to share an economic recovery. Britain must say no to Eastern European workers by making young people more able and willing to compete with immigrants, David Cameron has said. Oh, so hang on a second. He's not actually going to do anything. He's just saying the Prime Minister said that in factories across the country, up to half of the workforce come from Eastern European countries. He said it was a cruel fact that a generation of young Britons could be left behind. And fa- well, the generation's been left behind already, David. You're too late. What is it, over a million young people unemployed in this country? Fail to share in the benefits of the economic recovery because they lack the skills to secure a job. It's not the reason, is it? It's not the reason it's because they lack the skills. It's the reason is these other fellows from uh, Eastern Europe, Europe are much cheaper. That's the re- and they're much more hardworking. It's market for it's capitalism, David. It's the system that you back. 
Speaking at the launch of an event to celebrate apprentices, Mr Cameron says, you can't blame immigrants for wanting to work hard and get on. As a country, what we ought to be saying is no. Now, what he's not saying is, we should be saying, no, don't let them work here, let's, you know, um, give the jobs to British people. He's saying, we should be saying no. Let's get our education system right so we're producing young people out of our schools and colleges who are capable of doing those jobs. He then goes on to say, aha, here we go, here we go. I knew there was something hidden in this. I knew it was worth pursuing. Secondly, what we do is, no, we don't curb the number of immigrants that can work here. We don't limit the number of Poles and Latvians that can work here. Secondly, let's reform the welfare system so that it doesn't pay to be out of work. It pays for you to be in work. Oh, I see. Right. I see. Right. That's that's what you're going to do. Well done. Very clever. We'll look at the Mail, the Express and the Sun in a little bit. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel now. Here's Bill. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, trains gradually trying to get back to normal, but still disruption between Broxbourne and Hartford East and between Chesant and Cambridge. And you've got buses instead of trains between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. They're hoping to bring, bring back a normal service tomorrow. But Children Railway uh, looking much better. Quick look at the roads and the motorways. It's stop-start traffic now at M25 anti-clockwise from the M11 up to Enfield with ongoing works. That's 27 to 25. Just been checking out Watford on my sensors in front of me. So far, so good. A little bit busy for the Junction 19 section of the M25, so looking okay around Whitmansworth. And I had a sneaky glance at Harpenden as well for the A1081, uh, which covers Luton Road and London Road. So far, so good with that. Uh, Bill Sheldrake, BBC Three Counties Radio. Goodness sakes! Trying to go to the news. No, I can't stop the flipping thing. Hang on a second. Hang on. Oh. Hang on. That's it. Stop it. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. half past seven, I'm Barry Caffrey. Good morning. A Dunstable man is hitting out at what he sees as unsympathetic treatment from his employers as he undergoes treatment for cancer. 26-year-old Anthony Gregory admits the shock and confusion of diagnosis may have led to him making mistakes but he says bosses at the shop have been overly heavy-handed. The companies say he was suspended because of a serious breach of contractual obligations. Inspectors have found that two male staff members had sexual relations with a female detainee at the Yarlswood Immigration Centre near Bedford. A report by the Chief Inspector of Prisons also found that there were concerns over the lack of progress of immigration cases for women. The government is trying to again make the argument for the HS2 high-speed rail line that would run through parts of Buckinghamshire. It's expected to set out a business case, the fifth it has published, which will emphasise the benefits of the line to the economy. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. In the Championship, Watford manager Gianfranco Zola feels that his side should have won at Brighton last night instead of coming away with a one-all draw. Officials denied Watford a second goal as Fernando Forestieri's shot went over the line but was not given. Zola would like to see goal line technology in the Championship. Well, I know that the money is, uh, is also in another... Uh, uh, I'm sure it's a, it's a factor, but I do hope that, uh, that it happens because... Uh, I think it's important that uh, in a championship so important where 
there are so much money involved. I think uh, that technology would help uh, to make sure that uh, you know everything is more regular. In tonight's championship action, Queen's Park Rangers, who are third, travel to Wigan. Manchester United midfielder Darren Fletcher featured for the under-21s in United's two-all draw with Fulham. This was the first time he's played since Boxing Day last year. Elsewhere in the Premier League, Arsenal's Matcher Flamini has been ruled out for two to three weeks with a groin injury and England right-back Kyle Walker has signed a new contract with Tottenham Hotspur that will keep him at the club until 2019. And in women's cricket, England are in action from one o'clock this afternoon against the West Indies in the first ODI of the series at the Queen's Park Oval in Trinidad. And the weather breezy to start with before winds ease. There'll be some blustery showers about two. Sunny spells this afternoon, highs of 13 degrees Celsius. That's 55 in Fahrenheit. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll have a full bulletin at eight. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh dear, oh dear, Aidan Kane, Aidan Kane. You're blowing my brain, Aidan Kane. It's a man's name. He's on Facebook. He doesn't believe in aliens. Oh dearie me. Oh dearie me. They exist only in stories, books and movies, says Mr Kane. Aidan They are created by writers as a way of making money. They do not exist. We are alone. How arrogant. How arrogant of you, Aidan Kane. Mathematically, there has to be something else out there. There has to. Yes, unless he's one of the men in black. The CIA. Hey, how are we doing? I want to get Dennis LeCorrier, the lead singer from Dr Hook, on the show by the end of the show. How are we doing? Um... Were you serious? I uh, <laughs> we not even looked into it. That was an hour ago. I contemplated it and immediately dismissed it. I we, thought you were joking. No, we're, we are the BBC. He's an American. He'll be impressed by that. Phone him up and say we're, we're from the BBC. Is he in America? No, he's, no, I don't know where he is. He could be in America. He's playing, um, I've just looked online, he's playing Potter's Bar this week, so it's, it's unlikely he'll be in America. So g- just phone him up. Say the BBC. Don't say, you know, say we're, like, say we're Radio 4. Do I call him Doctor? Doctor Dennis? No! Just get him on, will you please? Thank you very much indeed. Dear me, we will. We, we will. We, I promise we'd get Joe Brown on. We got Joe Brown on. I promise we'd get uh, one of Chaz or Dave. We got one of Chaz or Dave's, Dave's wife's on. So, talking about IVF this morning, the reason... Well, the UK's best-known IVF centre, Bourne Hall, is calling for an end to the postcode lottery that puts prospective parents in Buckinghamshire at a severe disadvantage. Well, I'm joined now by Mark from Hertfordshire. He and his wife had trouble conceiving. He's on the line now. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Mark, what happened to you? Uh, Well, we uh, decided uh, back in 2008, um, having got married, that we'd like to uh, try for a baby. So we spent uh, the the next year obviously trying, and we were unsuccessful. Um, we were sent for uh, fertility tests, uh, which um, showed that my wife had uh, endometriosis, which is a, a, a known problem uh, to stop, you know, for conceiving. So mm. she had that removed, and then we tried for a further year, and uh, still no success. We had another round of. Um, testing, fertility testing, uh, this time it showed that I actually had a, a low sperm count on this occasion. So it was fluctuating, basically. So yeah. the consultant at that time uh, suggested we, you know, uh, consider IVF, uh, which we did. 
and in 2011 we started our first cycle at a clinic in Hertfordshire. We actually had ICSI, um, which is slightly different to IVF. And first attempt, we were successful in our pregnancy. However, um, we had a missed miscarriage, which was uh, very painful. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Uh, then we had our second cycle at a Hertfordshire clinic. And uh, again, we had another missed miscarriage. And uh, to make matters worse, the clinic then unfortunately couldn't continue the, the treatment and we were uh, told that we'd need to look uh, elsewhere to continue the final um, the final cycle of, of the ICSI treatment and that's when we were um, friends of friends highly recommended Bourne Hall and um, I must admit at first I was quite dubious because um, obviously it's a, a totally different protocol treatment that we were going to be given you know we were obviously more educated about you know how the the process worked so i i certainly had some questions about whether this was a, a good thing or a bad thing however and um, having had the consultancy at, at bourne hall i came away my wife and myself came away feeling very very confident and although they they, they took a totally different approach we went through what they call a long protocol this time whereas at the Hertfordshire clinic we had two short protocols but the, the long protocol um, proved to be successful and we were very very fortunate um, and blessed to have a, a a little baby girl about three months ago fantastic and she's well and healthy she is very well and very healthy growing at a very fast rate so. <laughs> and it, it gets faster let me I'll I tell you that do you think that, that these these fertility treatments should be uh, available to all on the NHS and that everyone should have the same number of tries um yeah I mean it's I do feel for those that you know live in areas where they don't have the same number of you know attempts at IVF or ICSI. I mean, like I say, we, we were very very fortunate in that we had three um, available to us. Had we lived in a different area, we probably would have only had the one. In which case, we wouldn't have our baby. So, yeah, it's 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 a real shame that you know we do have this postcode lottery. Um, so yeah, I do feel for those. Mark, what do you say to those people out there? And they are listening, uh, who are saying, um, "Hang on a second. The NHS is struggling. Cuts are being made. It's hideously in debt. The NHS should be treating things like cancer and broken legs and, and, and diseases and conditions like that and, and not um, for, for people to have babies. What, what would you say to them? Well, I would, I would say that, you know, surely it's a human right to, to be given the opportunity to have a child. Um, of course, you know, I totally understand their, their perspective that, yet, you know, things like cancer and other illnesses, you know, life-threatening illnesses do need to be treated. But at the same time, you know, I still feel it's it's only fair that, you know, couples such as my, myself and my wife, they, you know, who, you know, really, really want to start a family, you know, I think it's important that, you know, funding is available to, to help you on, the, on that plight. Mark, listen, I'm glad it works out for you. In, enjoy your uh, life with your little girl. It's going to be lots of fun. Thank you very much for coming on this morning. That's Mark from Hertfordshire. Well, th- th- there's a question. Is it, the, is it a human right to have... A baby. Is it a human right for every couple to have a baby? If there are problems with one or the other or both, should it be funded on the NHS at all? Or should the NHS be primarily for life-threatening and painful conditions? Is it every couple's right to have a baby? 08459 455 555. We'll put that on the Facebook page as well, I think. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Every couple's right to have a baby. That's what Mark says there. 
But the NHS, we know, is, is, is losing money. People are being turned away for, uh, for various treatments and, and various drugs are not available because they cost so much money. Should it just be focused on helping people who uh, have got hmm, serious medical conditions, life-threatening conditions, painful conditions... 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a real mixed bag this morning. We talked about poppies earlier on and about wearing poppies and uh, wearing white poppies and... uh, I mean, are you going to be wearing one this year? I, I will be at some point. I'm going to wait until November... Uh, Esther has texted in 81333, starting her text 3CR. Uh, I wear a poppy on my car all year round. Our soldiers don't die in just one day in the war. They died every day. They didn't ask if it was too soon to fight. Why are you asking if it's too soon to wear the poppy? Please give them a little respect. Well, Esther, I'm surprised that you think I wasn't giving them any uh, respect at all. But the, the poppy is to do with the Remembrance Sunday. And uh, I, I would suggest that some people are wearing them... To be seen as the first person to be wearing them. Oh, I'm wearing my poppy. Where's yours? And I don't think, Esther, I think it's unfair of you as well, a little bit disrespectful, to judge people on when they wear them. I don't think any more or any less of you for wearing your poppy on your car all year round. Although, someone could argue, Esther, it'd be great if you came on, someone could argue that by having your poppy on the car all year round and using the same poppy, you are denying the Royal British Legion... Of funds. Are you going to be buying a new poppy for your car this year or, or just recycling the same one? Oh, wait, 459, 455, 555. And on the subject, we uh, spoke to uh, a, a gentleman earlier on, Anthony Gregory, who fears he's being unfairly treated by the company he works for because he's got cancer. St- uh, Stephen from Kent says, uh, Re, uh, Anthony, it's inevitable that when some people take time off or you leave a role, that skeletons come out of the closet, you discover problems. It would be wholly inappropriate to disregard any underperformance just because someone has cancer. Furthermore, having cancer is awful, truly awful. But how long must an employer support an employee? At what point is too much time off? Too much? It's a good question. I don't know. 08459. 455555 on the subject uh, of poppies. Uh, Jane is in Aylesbury. Good morning, Jane. Morning, Ian. Jane. What do you what, what do you want to say about poppies? Well, I think if you're going um, if you're going to wear a, a poppy on your car all year, as long as you put money in the box it, and not take a poppy, then um, I, I think that would I think that would um, suffice. Yeah, you're right. As, as long as you're not thinking... You're correct, Dan. As long as you're not thinking, I have this poppy on my car and I'm going to keep it on and I don't need to give any more money. Yes, as long as you put... And what is the? what would you say is the going rate for a poppy these days, Jane? Well, there's a lot of effort goes into them. I think a pound is... Um, what would, would be more beneficial for them more than your purse. So you think a pound is enough? Because I know, because we, we, when we mentioned this last year, there were some people yeah. who thought that a pound was a little bit too tight. Well, it, it depends what your budget is. If, if you can afford to put more in, yep. then, then do so. I mean, I know these ones you have on the car are about a five pound each anyway. Right. Um, but um, it all depends what your budget is. If, if you're... Um, if you work into a budget and you can say, oh, I can only afford a pound, 
but you still put it in, it's better than nothing. Do you judge people, Jane, when you see them without a poppy? No. Supposing you're watching the news mm. and um, I can't think of any news readers. Let's say, let's say George Alagaya yeah. or Matthew Amarola, mm. they're on the news yeah. and they're not wearing a poppy. Um, I take that back. Yes, I would, good, I would judge them. What, what would you think of George Alagaya if he wasn't wearing a poppy? Disrespectful. Yeah. Because, because as somebody's already texted in, that they, d- they don't die just one day a year. They die every day. Here's, here's the thing, Jane. At the BBC and at Sky and at various other news organisations, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to buy them. They are handed out. I was offered at Sky News at the weekend a free poppy. I will be uh, offered, uh, um, uh, uh, if I do some film with the BBC, I will be offered a free poppy. Does that change it slightly? Uh, yes, because um, even, even though these, um, these organisations have brought them in, their money, sh- their money should be donated. Okay. You should um, yeah. add extra money to the box. Yeah. Well, I, th- I do think that Sky and the BBC do make those donations. Jane, thank you very much indeed. Interesting. This, this is going to be... We'll, we'll do this later in the week, or maybe a bit closer. Uh, we'll send Justin out doing a box. How much is enough for a poppy? And uh, we'll see if we can get the gentleman who came in last year. And uh, we'll, we'll do that as a phoner. I think that, I think that's a, a significant one. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Have you started wearing your poppy yet? It's not November yet. Does that change anything? And when you see George Alagaya, I feel sorry for George. I'm sure he does wear a poppy all the time. When you see George Alagaya or, or Susanna Reid on the news without a poppy, do you think less of them? Or do you kind of not even notice? Oh eight four five nine. Four double five five double five. It's BBC Three Counties uh, Radio. If uh, you want to give us uh, a call, very quick text before we go to the weather, uh, the travel. Uh, Steve from uh, Luton, not his real name, talking about IVF treatment. Steve says, "What happened to survival of the fittest and natural selection? Nature's way of population control. If you were meant to have babies, your body would let you." Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, the train's first couple of connects have suspended their service between Welling Garden City and Moorgate. They've been a bit late finishing the engineering works, but you can use your ticket, though, on the London Underground and Greater Anglia services. Buses and stellar trains between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. That's because of a fallen tree. And disruption with Greater Anglia's train services this morning. Broxbourne to Hartford East and Shetons to Cambridge because of overhead line issues. We could still be looking at some cancellations and certainly delays at short notice. And for the roads, Mill Hill, the traffic lights out at Marsh Lane just by Barnet Way M1 looking quite heavy, just check that on my census, Junction 11 Dunstable up to the Luton Airport Spurrows, M25 the usual slow traffic, anti-clockwise Chorleywood at 18, to the M40 at 16 I've just been checking out you Steve, an inch of my census, just starting to build a little bit now on the A1M as you're driving northbound towards Biggles Ways. Bill Sheldrake BBC Three Counties Radio. Bill, thank you very much. Right, 7.47, it's Tuesday, the 29th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedfordshire man who has cancer says his employer is deliberately trying to force him out of his job. The company, who we're not naming, deny the allegations, saying he was suspended because of a serious breach of his contract. A report into Yarlswood Immigration Centre in Bedford has found two members of staff were sacked for having sex with a female detainee. And in the Championship last night, Watford manager Gianfranco Zola has called for goal 
goal-line technology to be introduced after his side drew one all at Brighton. Coming up, we'll be talking more about aliens, but before that, let's get the latest weather with Elizabeth Rizzini. Oh, for goodness sakes! Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Well, it's a day of sunny spells and a few showers around uh, today across the three counties. But it's a fairly bright start. It's a dry start. It's a bit chillier than it was yesterday, but we can look forward to a much calmer day. Although still quite windy, a still fairly brisk westerly breeze that's going to blow in those showers at times. Mostly, I think, through the late morning, first part of the afternoon. So we'll see a nice dry start to the day and probably a dry end as well with some good spells of sunshine. But it's still going to feel quite chilly. Um, Temperatures only up to around 11 or 12 degrees that's 54 in Fahrenheit so colder than it's been recently particularly I think if you are exposed to that wind and it will be quite cold overnight too temperatures dropping low enough for a touch of grass frost especially in the rural spots uh, largely clear skies and of course staying dry as well so a beautiful autumnal start to the day tomorrow there'll be plenty of blue skies around but it will be a rather chilly start very crisp start I think and it will be fine and dry for most of the day but we'll start to see the cloud increasing through the afternoon across Buckinghamshire, western areas of Bedfordshire in particular, and then gradually some outbreaks of rain by tomorrow evening. But if you're on half term this week, it's mostly good news. It is going to feel quite chilly, it will be quite breezy, but most places will stay dry apart from the odd shower here and there, and there will be some spells of sunshine. That's all apart from the weekend when it's just going to turn very wet and rather windy again. That's the forecast, Ian. Heroes for BBC Children in Need. Cometh Pajama Friday. Cometh the Class 3C Bake Sale. Cometh the Fun Runs and Bike Rides. Cometh the Dancerthons, the Hula Hoopathons, and any other silliathons. Cometh the Hour. Cometh the Heroes. for BBC Children in Need and get your free fundraising pack now at bbc.co.uk slash Well, do you believe in aliens? Earlier on, we heard from a biolocation expert from Hertfordshire. That's a biolocation expert from Hertfordshire who claims he has proof that aliens exist and they are mining a new comet. Have a listen to this. We've used um, biolocation techniques to get a picture derived from the magnetic fields of the comet. So using these magnetic fields, we can draw out a picture of the comet. We can identify the core. We can identify the mushy bit around the outside of the core, which contains the water and the gases and the carbon dioxide. And anything, and particularly the tail, which is the bit that most people go for when they look at the uh, thing through binoculars, they see this spot of light with a tail behind it. So we've got the whole comet actually mapped out here on the, uh, the lawn. And our group believe that they have now got fairly good evidence that this is in fact the case, and that some of these extraterrestrials, extraterrestrials um, have cottoned onto this comet some time ago and have started mining it for various materials which are of use to them. Well, Justin Dealey is alien-like and he's been out in St Albans finding out what you think. Chris, we're in St Albans this morning. Do you believe that aliens exist? And be honest, come on. Why not? (laughs) You think they do? Well, really, we're not the only planet in the universe, so why not? So what do you think they might look like? I've got no idea. Good-looking, ugly, or...? They're probably as good-looking as us. 
We're good looking, aren't we? <laughs> Some of us. <laughs> Madam, looking at you, I reckon you do believe in aliens, don't you? No, I don't. Why not? I just don't. Never have, and I don't think I will. I mean, people that do believe in them, like me, do you think we're absolutely crazy? No. It's up to you what you believe in. Morning, sir. Aliens, do they exist? No. Can you tell me why? No, I don't believe in them anyway. But why not, though? I mean, if we're here, sure, there's got to be life out there somewhere else. No, doesn't get to me. Now, Akash, you firmly believe in aliens. You claim to have seen a UFO. Tell us what happened. What exactly did you see? Well, I used to study in a hostel. Um, it was on a mountain side. In the forest, we... We were just campaigning out there, and I saw like a flying object. Um, it came down quickly and just disappeared in a few seconds. Um, me and my friends, we searched around the location, see like could be a prank or something. Yeah. But we seen like sign of new humans there. We were the only humans out there. So, so I saw... did tell the story to yeah. my friends, but they didn't believe me. Right. So I thought, well, it's no point. So you saw about. these flashing lights. Any, any green men? Anything like that? Not, not really, no. But I saw object coming down and then disappeared after a few seconds. Wow. So you obviously do yeah. believe that the aliens are yes, out I there. Incredible. Thank you so much. No worries. Cheers. Well, I'm joined now by John Wickham from the British UFO Research Association. He lives in Hertfordshire. And Mike Hitchcock is from the Milton Keynes Skeptics in the Pub Group. Uh, let's start with you, Mike. You must think that UFOs and aliens are all nonsense, do you? I don't think they're nonsense in particular, no. But um, as sceptics, we like to see uh, proper evidence. And what evidence would, would, you, would you need? Um, well, obviously, a third encounter would be nice. Yeah. Um, if aliens did, uh, did land and there was uh, contact with them, we would accept that as evidence. Um, failing that, um, radar or scientific evidence... That, that can't be faked, and that obviously isn't faked, like so many of the so-called photographs that we see. But Mike, it's a mathematical certainty that there is other life form. There are other life forms out in the in the universe, surely, isn't it? I don't think we can say it's a certainty. I mean, back in the sixties, a chap called Drake um, came up with an equation to work out what the possibility of intelligent life in the universe was. Um, it is not certain, but. Given that we have between 100 billion and 400 billion stars in the Milky Way alone, I think it is highly likely that there is life out there. But whether that is intelligent life and whether they are sufficiently technically advanced to overcome um, Einstein's theory of relativity and actually travel the huge distances um, between stars, that I don't know. John Wickham from the British UFO Research Association. Have you got the definitive proof that Mike Hitchcock requires? Um, No, of course we haven't. Uh, If we did, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, Mike's quite right. Uh, It's quite feasible and logical uh, that life may exist elsewhere uh, because some of these planets um, do have exactly the same gases uh, and uh, um, such like that that life could exist, but there's no definitive proof. There's circumstantial evidence, uh, there's anecdotal evidence, um, which is sort of individual witness testimony, but there's no definitive proof that aliens exist. So what is your research association doing then? You must be disappointed to not come up with, with the proof. 
Uh, we're not disappointed. Um, we just get sighting reports. Um, the majority of these particular sightings uh, do come into the sort of uh, IFO category, whereby it becomes an identified flying object rather than unidentified. So people do um, misinterpret what they do see. What percentage of them are UFOs? Um, UFOs, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to, to judge, but I'd say probably about 5% as a maximum. But just because these, these craft remain unidentified does not mean that they are extraterrestrial in origin. Do you believe that some of them are? I've got no evidence to, to support that. So you don't believe that, that some of them are extraterrestrial? Well, there's no, there's no proof of that, so it's, it's highly unlikely. OK. So what, what are you doing it for, John? Well, it's, it's, it's interest. It's certainly an interest. Um, if, we, if we take things logically, um, most of the religions in the world believe that a man can die and come back to life uh, and perform magic, and a woman can bear a child without intercourse or insemination, which is impossible to do. But I'm talking about the Jesus and Marys in all the religions. Yes. And they also say that God made the earth, where it's impossible for a human to make the earth. Therefore, by default, God must have been an extraterrestrial. So we've got to look at everything in its own context. I still can't quite understand why you're spending all this time uh, researching UFOs with your association if you don't think they're aliens. Well, as I say, there's no definitive proof. Um, It's it's logical that life could exist elsewhere, but not necessarily advanced beings, as as Mike said. I totally agree with what uh, Mike Hitchcock has just said. Mike, what happens in your uh, Milton Keynes sceptics in the pub group? Do you all just sit around and have a, a whinge and drink some some beer, or, or is, there more, <laughs> is there more to it than that? There's a little bit uh, more to it than that, Ian. Um, we meet on a monthly basis, the uh, second Tuesday of every month at 7.30 in the Slug and Lettuce at Milton Keynes. We usually have a speaker um, um, who started about eight o'clock, followed by a Q and A session. And what kind? Of, I'm I'm, in, I'm always intrigued by these sceptic groups. I've, I've always been tempted to go along, but never have. What kind of speakers do you have, and what are they saying? Well, please, please do come along. I'm, t- I'm um, tempted. Very, very pleased to see you. Your ne- next meeting is on the twelfth of November, and we'd who's going to be there? Who's going to be there? Um, now, who do we have? Oh. Um, we have we have a gentleman whose name escapes me for the moment. He's from Coventry. Um, um, skeptics in the pub group uh, and he is talking about losing his religion oh, how he grew up in a religious song. family and uh, and became an atheist as you can imagine there is a lot of crossover between skepticism and atheism let's g- give both give a plug uh, uh, john have you got a, a website or anything for the british ufo research association if people want to find out more yes it's bufora.org.uk that's b u f o r a.org UK. Uh, and Mike, have you got a website or do you, do you not believe in the internet? Um, we certainly do believe in the internet. Um, probably the best thing to do is to look up MK Skeptics on our Facebook. On Fa- the Facebook. Fantastic. Both of you gentlemen, you're, you're very kind to come on this morning. John Wickham from the British UFO Research Association. Mike Hitchcock from the Milton Keynes Skeptics in the pub group. I won't be able to make this one, but I'm certainly tempted to pop along to another one. I do like the idea of a, a group of skeptics sitting down in the pub and uh, having something to eat and drink and Arguing the toss. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. That's a phrase. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
It's more about the trains this morning. You've got no trains between Welling Garden City and Moorgate. That's been suspended for First Capital Connect due to overrunning engineering works. Also delays between Welling Garden City and King's Cross on the Great Northern Line. Uh, greater Anglia services, uh, very limited service between Broxburn and Hartford East and Chesant and Cambridge. You've got buses instead between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. And for the roads, Mill Hill, the lights are out for Marsh Lane just by Ellesmere Avenue. M40 heading northbound uh, is looking quite slow now. Uh, coming off the A40 heading towards the M25. Bill Sheldrake, BBC Three Counties Radio. Bill, thank you very much. Getting lots of texts about IVF treatment. We had a gentleman on, Mark, I think his name was, who said that uh, it's every couple's right to have a baby. Well, it's got some of you quite angry. Nick on the text says, Seems to me that men who can't get their wives pregnant ain't up to the job. If you're meant to have children, you will. It's not a human right. NHS money should be kept for people that have a condition that does need medical help to just get through their day-to-day life and not pacify their ego. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, Dunstable man diagnosed with cancer says employer is trying to force him out of his job. Yarlswood staff sacked over inappropriate behaviour and Watford manager calling for goal line technology to be introduced. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Dunstable man is hitting out at what he sees as unsympathetic treatment from his employers as he undergoes treatment for cancer. 26-year-old Anthony Gregory admits the shock and confusion of diagnosis may have led to him making mistakes, but he says bosses at the shop have been overly heavy-handed. The companies say he was suspended because of a serious breach of contractual obligations. Anthony explained to Ian this morning about how he says he was treated. A couple of times I've been like, okay, that's fine. And then when I do go back, it's like, you need to sort yourself out. If you don't sort yourself out, you're going to lose your job. Or if, you don't, if you're not going to lose your job, you're going to be demoted. And it's just constantly threatening me with things that are going to happen to me, which is more stress. Further improvements are needed at Yarlswood Immigration Centre near Bedford. That's according to a report by the Chief Inspector of Prisons, which found two male staff members had sex with a female detainee. The report also found there were concerns over the lack of progress of immigration cases for women. A 27-year-old man from High Wycombe has been charged with grooming and sexual activity with underage girls. Luke Fisher, formerly of Vipont Court, has been bailed to appear at Wycombe Magistrates Court on the 11th of November. The charges relate to two offences carried out over a number of months on two victims in Buckinghamshire. The government is making its latest case for what it says are the economic benefits of the planned high-speed rail line that would run through Buckinghamshire linking London with Birmingham. The Transport Secretary, Patrick McLaughlin, says that while there's a lively debate to be had about HS2, critics of the scheme should not play politics with the country's prosperity. John Kelleher, whose farm lies along the route, says it has not been properly thought out. To my mind, the government figures only tell you half the story. They're trying to convince you with their figures that HS2 is, is, is a good thing, it's going to benefit all of us. But they're not taking into consideration the amount that HS2 will destroy on its construction and its route through the countryside. 
Prospective parents in Buckinghamshire are being put at a severe disadvantage when it comes to IVF treatment. That's according to specialists at the country's best-known conception centre, Bourne Hall. The NHS in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire adhere to NICE guidelines, offering three full cycles of treatment. But in Buckinghamshire, you'll only be offered one, and the maximum age is 35, significantly lower than in beds and hearts, where 42-year-olds can get treatment. In the championship last night, Watford manager Gianfranco Zola has called for goal line technology to be introduced after his side drew one all at Brighton. Watford were denied a second goal when Fernando Forestieri's shot appeared to go over the line before it was cleared by Gordon Greer. And the weather after a dry, bright and sunny start. Cloud will develop, introducing a scattering of showers by late morning. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius. That's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. You can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you very much, Barry. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's been a busy morning. Lots more to squeeze in between now and JVS at nine o'clock. Earlier on in the show, we spoke to the uh, gentleman from Dunstable who's been accusing his employers of trying to force him out after he was diagnosed with cancer. Well, what exactly are your rights if you're poorly and you feel you're being treated badly at work? Prospective parents in Buckinghamshire are losing out in the IVF postcode lottery. Earlier on, we had a, a guest who had uh, had a child through IVF treatment and said it's every couple's right to have a baby. Well, is it? And should we be paying that through the NHS? And I promised that by the end of the show, we would have Dennis Le Corrier, the lead singer from Dr Hook. Let's go over to my hard-working production team, Catherine Swallow. What are you eating? Cereal bar. Right. Have you found Dennis yet? Dr Hook, right? Yes. Dr Dennis Hook. No, he's not. That's not his name. It's the... Just... Oh, for goodness sakes. We'll have him before nine o'clock. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give us a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now... A Dunstable man is hitting out at what he sees as an as unsympathetic treatment from his employers as he undergoes treatment for cancer. 26-year-old Anthony Gregory was diagnosed at the end of last year, and while he admits the shock and confusion it caused led to his making mistakes, he says bosses at the shop have been overly heavy-handed. He's now been suspended, and he suspects they're trying to force him out permanently. Well, Elizabeth McGlone is uh, an employment lawyer at Neves, which has offices in Luton, Harpenden and Milton Keynes. How common is this kind of treatment? Unfortunately, this kind of treatment is increasingly common. Um, employers tend to misunderstand their duties to employees with conditions, long-term conditions. In terms of cancer, obviously I don't know the exact circumstance yeah. of this this individual's case, but with cancer, it does qualify for automatic protection under the Equality Act. So the employer has a duty under the Act to protect the employee's interests. Protect in what way? Automatic protection, what does that mean? In terms of making sure that they understand how that disability under the Equality Act affects the individual's ability to do their job. So, as you've discussed, this individual was shocked and 
bemused by the diagnosis and therefore mm. this may have had an adverse impact on his role in the And so the, em- in the store. employer would have to take the, the not just the physical but the mental effects. Any effects. So the employer has a duty to make what we call reasonable adjustments. So mm. that is if it's time away from the business, if it's reduced hours just to allow that person to rehabilitate, if there's treatment, time off to... Um, you chill out or, or take time away from the business to allow the person to recover because the idea is to allow that person to return to work or to facilitate a return mm. to work or to ensure that the working relationship is maintained. So just because somebody's off sick or is unwell, it doesn't mean that the employer should automatically forget about them. How flexible does that have to be? For example, if I, if, if, uh, let, let me put myself in uh, this sort of situation. I've, I've had treatment for cancer. I'm suffering from anxiety and depression. How about if I phone up half an hour before I'm doing for work saying you know today I just I just don't feel up to it today I think in the circumstances of cancer if you've got cancer then you are afforded a great deal of protection you're protected automatically under the Equality Act which I've explained so there should be an understanding on the part of the employer as to the effects that the condition will have upon you there should be um intervention from either occupational health or human resources they put together a plan they understand how you may be affected so it shouldn't just be that you need to ring up and say i'm suffering from anxiety and depression because of my cancer there should be an understanding between you and the employer as to how you may be impacted upon as a result of treatment mentally physically and there has to be a communication and an open line of communication for both parties to understand now we're not mentioning where mr gregory works it's quite a big company Okay, uh, but supposing I'm running a, a company that employs four or five people, mm-hmm. and one of my employees is in this situation, as an empl- as a, a, a you know the head of a small company, it's going to be tough, isn't of course, it, to, yes. to, to compensate and, and accommodate for that? Of what course. rights would, would the employer have? The employer, in terms of this situation. As a smaller employer, the, the, there's no different test for a larger employer versus a small right. employer. So, unfortunately, if you do have an individual that's long-term sick as a smaller employer, you are faced with the ongoing cost of either replacing that person for the time that they're off mm. or making do without. Um, it's just, unfortunately, the situation. Mm. And it can be onerous. And that's where mistakes are made because people think that because they're a smaller company, they don't have to mm. protect their employees' rights as well as a larger employer. But you, you're not justifying in any way, but you could possibly say that... that, that, that heads of smaller companies, why they might be uh, inclined to um, want to get rid of the person you can understand. Ill. I mean, obviously, I'm not advising no. that that's the way it would be, but I can understand or empathise with a smaller employer that if they have somebody that's on long-term sick, that that's not helping them as a business. Mm. And therefore, um, that you know, that doesn't work for them. But it's not, it's not complete and it's not absolute. So if you do have somebody on long-term sick and you do have um, a dismissal procedure for sickness then there are ways in which you can say well if you have no prospect of returning to work then we may have to terminate your contract obviously i'm not saying go out and terminate everybody's contract for people Mm. who are long-term sick but there are policies and procedures in place within a business to allow them to terminate contracts if people are unable to return to work if there is prospects for people to return to work then that's a different story and the employer has a duty to make reasonable adjustments uh, we were speaking to someone from McMillan earlier on who was saying actually this, this is this is, is more common than you'd expect uh, do, do you get lots of cases I like have this? I have a number of ongoing cases with large companies mm. that are incredibly unsympathetic or just 
get it wrong. And I think that's the main issue. They just don't understand what their obligations are or they push it to one side, especially if the person's not in the office, is not at work, then that, that line of communication closes um, through no fault of anyone's, but it just, the process goes awry and therefore one person's left isolated and the company almost, almost forgets that the, that other person exists. Or if they're returning to work, there's a befuddled situation or there's just, again, a lack of communication. One other thing, speaking to Mr Gregory, who came on, came in uh, uh, earlier on, was that he told his boss that he had cancer and this is what was, gonna, what was happening and what he was going to go through. And a few days later, he found out that his, that his boss had told other people. Uh, is that acceptable behaviour? It depends on whether or not the individual requires other people to be a certain way towards them so do senior managers need to know in terms of accommodating their needs if it's just a gossip round the the water cooler about or did you know such and such about such and such no I wouldn't mm. say that's acceptable it's not fair it's a breach of confidentiality but in terms of managing that person's safety within the workplace then yes it depends it depends where we're what we're talking about if it's just a, a chit chat or it's actually we need to discuss this amongst senior managers to ensure that you're protected within the workplace is there any one sector or area which treats its employees worse than others from your experience from my experience i'm having a number of issues with retail just because um there's a number of stratas of management and so the unfortunately training in relation to ill health and disability doesn't filter down or there's a number of human resources levels so the communication it's all about communication Mm. the communication doesn't filter down um so i have had a number of experiences with with large retailers um falling below par in terms of if i want to get rid of someone it, it it would be easy to do, though, wouldn't it? Because you can, you, you can say, look, it's not about the illness, but Steve is, is really not... He's been turning up late. He's not, he's, he's not been pulling his weight. You, you, you can there are with wa- something else, can't all, you? There are ways of dismissing people, and we're not entrenched with bad employees, but we have to separate whether or not there's an ill health issue and is that impacting on performance, yep. or is this person genuinely a poor performer? Mm. So we have to ensure that we do enough research and investigation and also talk to that individual as to what is the issue. We do have issues where people are performing poorly and it is as a result of ill health and the two come together. But there are people that try and mask poor performance with other issues. They're just rubbish workers. I, I don't want to comment no, on people being rubbish no, workers, but, but there are if people are poor if people are poor performers, yeah. then there are ways of terminating their employment on the grounds of performance. It's a fair reason for dismissal if their conduct or capability is not effective in the workplace. Is the law str- strong enough to to make sure that employees don't get left hard done by? Are they protected enough? The, the, the law is there. Yep. It's just the way in which it's it's handled and used and applied in the workplace. So the framework is there. It's just about application. And what can someone do? Because, I, you know, coming to... If some of these people, you say, working in retail, where they won't be getting excessive amounts of money, coming to uh, a, a legal firm, that's going to be expensive. Uh, what what can, well, no, no disrespect. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it could be out of some people's pay bracket. Is what I, I, completely, I completely understand. Yeah. What, so what can they do? In terms... Well... There's always I'm sure your company is very fairly priced, by course, the way. It's not so, of course, of course, we're, we're incre- incredibly competitive. <laughs> um, in terms of getting advice, I wouldn't put it past looking on the internet, speaking to ACAS, acas.org.uk. Um, gov.uk is another government website that can provide guidance. Call your local solicitor. I will always speak to people 10, 15 minutes just to give them a steer. Okay. And there are funding mechanisms in place. So if you find a decent local solicitor who does no win, no fee potentially, or if you have insurance in place, or we can talk about capped fees. So 
if you have a case and it's a good case and it's a strong case, then we're interested to hear from you and okay. we will discuss fee levels with you. Each case is based on merit. Okay, well, if, if you want to get in touch, it's uh, Elizabeth McGlone, is uh, an employment lawyer at Neves, got offices in Luton, Harpenden, and Milton Keynes. Thank you very much and for Northampton. coming. And <laughs> Northampton. There you go, you see. Well done. Thank you very much for coming, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thanks for your help. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to uh, give us uh, a call, we've got a quick text about uh, the poppy. Helen says, I work with someone who used the same poppy every year. He admitted pressing it, but he did tell me in confidence he had a direct debit going to the Royal British Legion, but enjoyed others making judgments uh, about him. And one more, as you would do, uh, one more text. Where's that text gone about? Um, we had one more text there about the IVF. Hang on a second, hang on a second. Here it is. Uh, Tony says, Why do people need to have IVF just to get a baby? Is it a mini me that they're after? These people who cannot have babies, why don't they adopt? There are hundreds of babies out there waiting for a home. Are they not good enough for those people who can't give birth naturally? We can save millions of pounds by doing away with IVF unwanted babies will get adopted and the world would be a better place um, it, maybe it's a slightly um, optimistic view Tony 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio let's get the travel Travel news for beds cards and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio if you're just getting into the car, hopefully you should be OK. You might not be OK, though, if you're taking the train this morning. Still some issues hungover from yesterday. You've got no trains now before to Capital Connect between Welling Guardian City and Moorgate because they've been late finishing the engineering works. Also delays between Welling Guardian City and King's Cross on the Great Northern Line by about 25 minutes. Disruption as well. Limited service with Greater Anglia between Broxbourne and Hartford East and between Chesnut and Cambridge due to overhead line issues. And London Midlands laying on buses instead between Watford Junction and St Albans. Abbey due to a fallen tree on the line. Uh, for the roads, got an issue with Mill Hill actually because Marsh Lane, you've got the lights out of action, uh, Marsh Lane by Barnet's way and just caught some heavy traffic for Lower High Street in Watford on my census. Bill Sheldrake, BBC Three Counties Radio. Bill, thank you very much. 8.16, it's Tuesday the 29th of October, I'm Ian Lee These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio a Dunstable man is hitting out at what he sees as an unsympathetic treatment from his employers as he undergoes treatment for, ca- uh, for cancer. The company, who we're not naming, deny the allegations, saying he was suspended because of a serious breach of his contract. The government is predi- uh, presenting a new business case for the HS2 high-speed rail line that would run through Buckinghamshire. And in the championship last night, Watford drew one all with Brighton. The weather, breezy to start with before winds ease. There'll be some blustery showers, but sunny spells too. Highs of 13 degrees Celsius. Coming up, prospective parents in Buckinghamshire are losing out in the IVF postcode lottery. But is it every couple's right to have children? And also, before the end of the show, we will have the lead singer from Dr Hook live on here. That's a guaranteed promise. BBC Three Counties Radio. BBC Three Counties Radio. You have no idea what it's like for the businesses up here. Local and vocal. We're at the situation where we cannot pay invoices that were due in August, and as a result, we cannot buy stock for the Christmas trade. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. I mean, I've lived here 30 odd years, but you can't go out no more. I used to go down the bingo, you don't go anywhere. People on planes who are really large should pay for two seats because they take up all the space. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. He's angry. 
Uh, you, normally, it takes a while for, for me to get you angry. You've stormed in here. You've almost ripped the door off its hinges. Uh, oh, I'm just... I'm just, It's first Capital Connect. Go I on. just heard you on the travel news. Yeah. Uh, why have they still not got their service up and running properly? Well... I mean, OK, yesterday... Big winds. Yes, trees. Yep. Yes, lines down. Yep. H- hello, 24 hours later. Yep. And where are the replacement buses? Where are all the uh, the replacement services? I'm going to have a look at their website. Let's find this, uh, this has frustrated you, hasn't it? Well, I had a friend who was trying to get out of London last night and, you know, a phone first Capital Connect and said, so what about, I uh, presume you've got some kind of replacement bus service to get people back out who have, uh, have tickets and need to get out of London? No. Okay. Nothing here's, at all. Here's the website. Disruption warning. Dis- uh, delays between Hartford North and Alexandra Palace until further notice. Disruptions on services uh, on Tuesday the 29th, following yesterday's poor weather conditions. Delays between Stevenage and London's King's Cross. Let's look at the disruptions. Heavy rains and high winds across central and southern England and Wales affected train services on Monday the 28th. Some pictures of the damage this has caused across the network can be found here. Most operators are, normal, uh, are able to run uh, a, a normal service. Uh, well, hang on, I've just been to the first Capital Connect. So, oh dearie me. Yeah, basically they're not running. Okay, but if they're not running, presumably they've got a bus service on instead. Otherwise, what are people supposed to do? I mean, how are you supposed to get in and out of our capital city? This is the home counties, for God's sake. Passengers with tickets dated Monday the 28th will be valid for travel today. It's not brilliant, is it? Oh, so you, you right? Okay. And 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 that night you were supposed to do. It is frustrating. Oh, it's it just really look. Okay, we all understood yesterday. Yeah. But come on. Yeah. I mean, it's twenty four hours later. Surely there were an entire army of people working through the night to try to make sure that one of well. one of our main main connections into the capital was up and running for today. Oh, I'm so thankful I don't have to commute by train. That's all I can say. Can I can I cheer you up? Yes. You look lovely in blue. Do I? Yeah, it really suits you. Little boy blue. Got a, a lovely uh, a light blue shirt and a, a darker blue checked blazer on. You look very smart. Thank you very it much. It suits you whatever it brings out the colour in your eyes. Does it? Yeah. It's nice. Like oceans of love. Um, Cascading down cheeks of hope. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's on your show this morning? Well, coming up from nine this morning, yes. uh, I know you mentioned it earlier on today's uh, front page of The Telegraph. Yes. Um, David Cameron says the only way to stop Eastern Europeans taking British jobs is to make young British people work harder than young Poles, Lithuanians and Latvians. Good luck with that. Official figures show between April and June this year, 683,000 people working in Britain were from a variety of Eastern European countries and this looks set to rise in January when the gates are open to Bulgarians and Romanians. Campaigners have warned that as many as 250,000 new Eastern Europeans will arrive next year looking for work. But David Cameron says young people shouldn't be scared. They should toughen up and be prepared to compete. Do you remember back in the summer, Jamie Oliver was on about this? And he was saying that, um, you know, in his restaurant, for example, uh, he'd far rather employ an Eastern European person than a British people, yep. than a British person, because uh, British people are wet behind the ears and they get their mums to phone up and say they're ill yep. and they can't yep. come into work. And he was saying his restaurant would just grind to a halt if all the Eastern Europeans didn't work there. Well, I want to explore this from nine this morning. I want to know, do you think Eastern Europeans make better workers? Do you think in your experience they work harder, they have a better attitude to work, they're far less likely to phone in sick, they're far less likely to want weekends off to go away with their boyfriend or off to music festivals? From nine this morning, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. No, I'll tell you why I'm saying that. Oh, okay. 
I've got a, a friend who runs a restaurant yep. in quite an affluent middle-class place here in, in Beds, Hearts and Bugs. Mm. And he was saying, he said, I've had it with British people. Yeah. I've had it employing <clears throat> British people to be waiting staff. I said, why? You know, you should be getting behind British people, trying to give British people jobs. He's no, I'll tell you why. He said, all the people around here, they're all sons and daughters of middle-class parents and what so their mum and dad say well you really should get a job so they come and get a job at the restaurant and then of course they want to go away for music festivals at the weekend oh sorry i can't come into work this weekend i've got yep. to go to, my boyfriend's taking me down to dorset to a b&b oh, nice. um oh i can't i'm feeling a bit tired i've had a hard day he said it's just a nightmare he said i i then have to try and find other people to wait in my restaurant because i've then been let down at the last mm. minute he said with eastern europeans when you employ them, you know they're going to turn up for work. They're not going to let you down at the last minute. They're going to work really, really hard. They're going to really want to please. I said, surely that's a bit of a sweeping generalisation, isn't it? He said, in my experience, yep. no. Well, from nine this morning, I wonder whether you have a similar experience to this friend of mine. Do you think Eastern Europeans make better workers? 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've been talking this morning about Anthony Gregory, a 26-year-old man who was diagnosed with bladder cancer. He feels he's been uh, unsympathetically treated by his employers. Well, Vicky is on the line. It's not her real name. But, Vicky, you have a, a similar story to tell, do you? What happened to you? Yes, I did. I worked for my employer for um, nearly eight years. I um, had a really good track record with them, was one of their top employees. And then earlier on in the year, um, well, it actually started to happen the year before. I, I became very unwell. And I had to have major surgery in February. And they were very sympathetic when I um, took the sick leave. They knew I was going off sick. And it would be for, you know, long term, probably somewhere around about three to six months. However, in that time, things changed. Um, and when I tried to go back to work, they treated me abysmally, absolutely awfully. The whole pack sort of turned. And um, I won't go totally into it, but it really, you know, it got quite nasty. Um, and in the end, we parted company. Now... The thing is that what these people don't realise is that, you know, people don't, people don't ask to get sick. Of course we don't. You know, it happens and it can happen to anyone. But the effects of those relationships that are then damaged by the, treat, the treatment that the people give you. When I went into counselling afterwards, I suffered from anxiety because of it. Um, I, had to, I was under the doctor. I had to have counselling. And, and to be truthful, it's had a long-lasting effect on, on all my other relationships because it's made me really question um, you know, people and question uh, whether they're genuine and their, you know, their, their reliability. And um, they don't understand, or they have no concept of, they don't care. One of the one of the three. Um, how that really then, on top of major surgery or illness, the devastating effect it had again on that person's health or mental health. Vicky, you said that, were, that you were treated awfully. Can you give us a couple of examples of, of some of the, the, the bad things that, that happened to you? Mm. When I went back into the office um, the morning, you know, no one would say, nobody sort of spoke and said, hello, how are you? Totally ignored me. Made my life very, very difficult because I was also on reduced hours, obviously, to try and get back into the workplace. Um, they, they excluded me from conversation. I think the thing had happened is someone else had been in there in the time that I'd been off and the office dynamics had changed. Mm. Um, and, you know, things do change. Um, but, you know, instead of um, the sort of senior managers saying, right, no, this is this, you know, this is job, um, they didn't want change today. So they decided to ease, well, they didn't ease me out. They, they let me stay a few mornings. Um, and then I was called into the, uh, you know, senior manager's office on three or four occasions. 
um, I, I was suspended um, for, no, for no reason of my own, um, just because I didn't really fit anymore. Vicky, uh, we, we have to move on from there, but th- what an incredible story. And thank you very much for phoning up and sharing it with us. Awful treatment. Prospective parents in Buckinghamshire are being put at a severe disadvantage when it comes to IVF treatment, according to specialists at the country's best-known conception centre. The NHS in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire adhere to NICE guidelines, offering three full cycles. But in Buckinghamshire, you'll only be offered one, and the maximum age is 35. Well, Tom Matthews is uh, Bourne Hall's medical director. Morning, Tom. How much of a difference do these policies make? Good morning, Ian. Well, they make an enormous difference to patients. When patients have three attempts at treatment, within three attempts they can get a cumulative pregnancy rate of more than 70%, which means that for every 10 patients that start the journey, seven become mothers at the end of three cycles of treatment. And if you only have one cycle, then your chances are very low. You might get a, a, a success rate of about 34 to 35% at the best. But if we offered everybody three full IVF cycles, it would be very expensive, wouldn't it? And, and we have had people today saying, well, hang on a second, why don't... The, the, the NHS should be treating people who've got illnesses. Well, treatment for infertility is not a lifestyle option. Infertility causes a lot of physical and mental uh, harm to patients. And it is a medical condition that needs treatment. It's not everybody that can walk in and say, I want NHS-funded treatment. You've got to fulfill certain criteria. And if you're within that criteria, then you need help. And that is what the NHS is providing. Now, in the east of England, the commissioners, in their wisdom, set aside a certain amount of money to provide um, NHS-funded IVF for up to three cycles. And if we can do this in the east of England, I'm sure... We can do this in other parts of the country as well. Another issue, of course, uh, Tom, is the age that women are entitled to IVF on the NHS. It seems that that's not a uniform figure across the the country either, is it? It's not. Currently, we treat patients up to the age of 40. And uh, NICE guidelines have now recommended that that should be raised to 42. And we hope that in the next um, lot of commissioning that they will increase it to 42. And and how can this this uniformity be achieved? Because the, the NICE guidelines are guidelines. They're they're not rules, are they? No, they're not rules. They're guidelines, but for the whole country. And if all all the commissioning groups around the country were to accept the guidelines, then it would make it uh, uniform around the country. Tom, I appreciate your time this morning. Tom Matthews, Bourne Hall's medical director. What do you think? Let me just read out a text, again, that we had earlier. This is from Nick. Seems to be, seems to me, that men who can't get their wives pregnant ain't up to the job. If you're meant to have children, you will. It's not a human right. NHS money should be kept for people that have a condition that does need medical help to just get through their day-to-day life and not to pacify their ego. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. 81333. Start your text 3CR. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel now. Here's Bell. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, some of the train service is still playing up this Tuesday morning. Disruption with First Capital Connects. Now, this is between Welling Garden City and Moorgate and for trains heading towards King's Cross. Uh, the lines are now open, but uh, the trains are being delayed because they've been late finishing the engineering works, basically. Disruption on Greater Anglia. That's between Broxbourne and Hartford East and on the Chesants to Cambridge line. That's due to overhead line problems. A limited service is now running. Uh, buses are placing trains between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. That's until tomorrow, by the way. So I, I think that means until 
until the end of today inclusive. I'll clarify that for you in my next bulletin. Uh, M25 stop start, anti-clockwise, Kings Langley at 20 to the M3 at Junction 12. And Aston Clinton Road in Ellsbury, watch out for those queues. I'm spotting those on the census, both directions, around uh, Broughton Lane. Bill Sheldrake, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past eight. I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, a Dunstable man is hitting out at what he sees as unsympathetic treatment from his employers as he undergoes treatment for cancer. 26-year-old Anthony Gregory admits the shock and confusion of, of diagnosis may have led him to making mistakes, but he says bosses at the shop have been overly heavy-handed. The companies say he was suspended because of a serious breach of contractual obligations. Further improvements are needed at Yarlswood Immigration Centre near Bedford. That's according to a report by the Chief Inspector of Prisons, which found two male staff members had sex with a female detainee. The government will this morning set out its latest attempt to convince people of the benefits of the HS2 high-speed rail project that would run through parts of Buckinghamshire. Ministers will put forward the business case for spending nearly £43 billion on the scheme. And the weather breezy to start with before winds ease. There'll be some blustery showers, mainly in the west, sunny spells elsewhere. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford manager Gianfranco Zola wants to see goal line technology used in the championship after his side were denied a win against Brighton last night. Watford were held to a one-all draw despite Fernando Forestieri's shot clearly going over the line. Zola says he's disappointed in the result and thought they deserved to win. Fair to say that they fight very hard and uh, they played uh, decently, I think. uh, if there was a team that deserved something more than than it was uh, certainly us, uh, which created a lot of chances, and uh, especially in the second half we were better. Well, in tonight's championship action, Queen's Park Rangers, who are third, travelled to Wigan. Manchester United midfielder Darren Fletcher featured for the under-21s in United's two-all draw with Fulham. This was the first time he's played football since Boxing Day last year. Elsewhere in the Premier League, Arsenal's Matcher Flamini has been ruled out for two to three weeks with a groin injury and England right-back Kyle Walker has signed a new contract at Tottenham Hotspur that will keep him at the club until 2019. In women's cricket, England are in action from one o'clock this afternoon against the West Indies in the first ODI of the series at the Queen's Park Oval in Trinidad. BBC Three Counties Radio News and Sport. I'll have a full bulletin at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show, Dennis LeCorrier. Have we got him yet, Kath? Is he? So-so. Oh, for goodness sakes. Uh, Aliens and life begins at... Well, when do you think it begins at? 08459 455 555. But we're getting a few calls and texts on this... uh, Story of 26-year-old Anthony Gregory, diagnosed at the end of uh, last year with bladder cancer. Uh, He says that uh, he's been treated unfairly and unsympathetically by his employers. Got a text here from um, N in Leegrave. A very similar experience to Vicky called in earlier on. It's taken me three years to just about regain my self-confidence as an employee. Being hung out to dry by an employer whilst off sick is really destructive. 
but they are very often free to get away with it, as good jobs are hard to come by. Well, uh, Laura's in Bedford. Laura, you've had a slightly different experience, have you? Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I've only got. Um, I only had a little part-time job because I'm a um, mum of two kid children. But um, three years ago, I had a um, breast cancer, and I. Um, I um, and I just felt when I, when, I mean obviously life's sort of in turmoil it's hard to concentrate on things you know the sort of work you sort of is the bottom of your list you know to think about but it was but I just felt that you know I should sort of keep them in the loop right from the beginning I mean for the first week when I was first diagnosed I, t- I told them no I um, I took a week off sick just to sort of while I was dealing with the initial diagnosis and then sort of as, a, you know, after that, then I wrote a letter or, and then I phoned them just to let them know what was going on. And I just felt you should, I just feel you should keep them in the loop from the beginning, really, because, I mean, although, you know, you can't expect them to um, sort of carry on and not know what's, you know, what's going on in your head or what's going on in your life and just sort of think, well, where is she, what's she doing, and, you know, or, or excuse sort of mistakes if they don't understand why you're making them. So I just felt that although, you know, perhaps even if you don't want to tell other people in your life, just to tell the person, you know, like the HR or the person that's employing you, even if they just keep it to themselves, but just to make them aware, really, because they're not mind readers. Mm. And I just, you know, so I just felt that at the time, you know, it was just important just to keep them make them aware of what what was going on in my life and because of that I felt I was treated very sympathetically. Really they were accommodating to your needs if you needed to have time off yeah, or a little yeah. bit tired one day? Exactly and you know and yeah and in the end unfortunately I did have to leave that job and you know it's taken me a long time to sort of get back into work. I have got another job now but you know I just kept them sort of in the loop all the time of what was going on in my life so and you know in the end of the day they, they have um responsibilities as well they're you know they've got to think about the other staff you know while you're not there somebody's got to take over and whatever and so you know they've not just got you to think about laura i appreciate your call this morning thank you very much indeed that's the other side of it laura was treated oh very well they accommodated her condition and her excellently oh eight four five nine four double five five double five on the subject of ivf diane is from leighton buzzard good morning diane hi good morning diane have you have you had ivf uh, we started the treatment. We went through the initial stages of insemination and stuff. When we decided that, um, I agree with one of your callers, that we actually can adopt another child. We didn't want the mini-me. Uh, we went to the adoption agency in Luton. And um, because I'm a mixed couple... Yes. So what, 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 what races are you? Where are you from or where's your husband I'm from? I'm a Hungarian white. And my husband is a Mauritian Hindu, which is like... An Asian. Okay. And apparently we've been told, huh? quote, to be realistic, they cannot match with the child, us. Sorry? Uh, they cannot match us with the child. This, this is the adoption. You, you, why? Well, apparently I didn't care what the child looks like. Could be black, Chinese, Asian. I really don't care. But they said, according to them, it's better for the child if they match them with the couple who have similar background. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it probably is, but there are loads of kids who aren't being adopted who need to be exactly. adopted. So, you know, if, as long as it's being loved, that's the most important thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm completely agreeing. We came out pretty upset about the whole thing, and basically we have nothing else left just to do the IVF. So you're, you're still pursuing the IVF? Well, we have to, because obviously we can't get another child. Yeah. Well, I, I, the, Diane, listen, thank you for that. We, the... the, the we should look into that. That seems odd, doesn't it? 
that they were told, oh, no, yeah, 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 you're Mauritian, you're Hungarian, sorry. No, we, have, we haven't got any kids like that. Uh, yeah, yes, well, I can, I can see it would, it would possibly be beneficial to be brought up in the, uh, by parents of the same ethnicity. Surely it's, it, the, the most important thing is it's going to be brought up by people who love it, isn't it? That makes perfect sense to me. We're always hearing how we need more people to adopt children. And then it sounds like a perfectly uh, willing couple. Yeah, no, sorry. We haven't got any Hungarian Mauritians, I'm afraid. Sorry about that. Maybe come back next year. See what's available. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Um, uh, the text here. Ian, can you please read that comment regarding the buffoon that said people should not be allowed infertility treatment on the NHS? I'm livid. Um, OK, I'll, I'll read it again. There, there are two. OK. Seems to me that men who can't get their wives pregnant ain't up to the job. This is from Nick. If you're meant to have children, you will. It's not a human right. NHS money should be kept for people that have a condition that does need medical help, not to pacify their ego. And Tony says, why do people need to have IVF just to get a baby? Is it a mini-me thereafter? These people who cannot have babies, why don't they adopt? Well, you've heard there, uh, Tony, why that couple couldn't adopt. Hundreds of babies out there waiting for a home. We can save millions of pounds by doing away with IVF unwanted babies. Uh, Unwanted babies will get adopted and the world will be a better place. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, aliens. Earlier on in the show, we heard from a biolocation expert. Let me just run that past you again. A biolocation expert from Hertfordshire who claims he has proof that alien exists. Aliens exist and they are mining a new comet. Comet. Deary me. I'll put this gin away. We've used um, biolocation techniques to get a picture derived from the magnetic fields of the comet. So using these magnetic fields, we can draw out a picture of the comet, we can identify the core, we can identify the mushy bit around the outside of the core which contains the water and the gases and the carbon dioxide and anything, and particularly the tail, which is the bit that most people go for when they look at the uh, thing through binoculars, they see this spot of light with a tail behind it. So we've got the whole comet actually mapped out here on the, uh, the lawn. And our group believe that they have now got fairly good evidence that this is in fact the case and that some of these extraterrestrials extraterrestrials um, have cottoned onto this comet some time ago and have started mining it for various materials which are of use to them ah huh? i'm confused well we needed to speak to an expert i'm joined now by robin schedule from the society of popular astronomy did any of that make any sense robin not not a bit of it oh. um i'm not sure which comet it is he's talking about there are a couple of comets coming in towards the solar system at the moment and we hope that they will be visible in the evening sky in early december <clears throat> one of them is called ison and the other one is called as a lovely name lovejoy oh. and um it may be one of those two now comets are chunks of ice uh Anybody who's seen all the sort of deep impact and the the uh, uh, the, the, the disaster movies, great well, documentaries. They, I love those. They, they, look, they look nothing like, oh. <laughs> but they are chunks of ice and and rock, and they are not big in terms of a planet. They are only about ten, fifteen 
maybe the biggest one 50 miles across, something like that, which is, okay, city-sized, but certainly not the sort of thing that, uh, that, that would uh, normally attract life. And uh, there, is, there are stories, however, that the molecules that created life in the very first place, the very simplest molecules, not even wriggly things, but, uh, but just the, the, the very earliest molecules, could actually have formed on comets, but that's a long way from uh, actually any kind of intelligent life. And from what it sounds, he's saying that aliens somewhere from, from somewhere out there have decided to live on this comet, which is in our solar system. We're sure that there are no sentient beings in our solar system other than uh, those on planet Earth. And um, I, I think it all sounds like a bit of hokum to me. Uh, there, there, there must be aliens somewhere in the universe, mustn't there? Mathematically, there has to be. Yes, I agree. And the if you've only got to look at the statistics, sort of hundreds and thousands of millions of stars out there in the universe, and it only takes one in a hundred thousand million to to have uh, the right sort of conditions for life to form. And there you are. You, we believe you've had it. We don't believe that life is just a. Um, uh, a unique event, but the, recently people have started to say, "Well, hang on, there's a lot of combinations of factors that have got to come into combination to to create any sort of life." And remember that life on Earth stayed the same, just a little slime, really, for billions of years until only comparatively recently did it start to develop into what we might call wriggly things and then eventually into us. So life, even when circumstances are right, doesn't necessarily form into, in, into actual beings that crawl around and that sort of thing. If I, uh, I've often considered, Robin, uh, buying a telescope, setting up in my bedroom uh, and having a look at the sky at night. Uh, seriously, I think it would be great fun. Could, how much do I need to spend to have a, a, a sort of half-decent setup that, that's worth having? Only a couple of hundred pounds. You oh. can get perfectly reasonable telescopes for that sort of price. Don't get them from um, the, the, the sort of high street suppliers necessarily, unless yes. they seem to know what they're talking about. Uh, there are specialist telescope shops that will advise you uh, rather better than, uh, than maybe going to uh, I don't want to slander any any particular shop. No, but we know we all know the, the ones you're referring to. So for a couple of hundred quid, I could have a little setup in my bedroom. And what would I be able to see? Don't just say stars closer up, obviously. But what? what? No, well, actually, funnily enough, stars aren't particularly interesting oh. in themselves. But uh, you, the, the moon is the most fantastic thing to study. Uh, Saturn it will be around. Uh, it's not around at the moment, but it will be around next year. And uh, Jupiter will be uh, very high in the sky next year. Next March, we're having a National Astronomy Week, and there will be telescopes uh, put, brought into sort of recreation parks and so on, anywhere around the, uh, lots of places around the area, where we hope that people will be able to get out and have a look at the, uh, the uh, Jupiter in particular and see its bands and its, uh, and its satellites and that sort of thing. But uh, those are some of the showpieces of the sky and the Orion Nebula. There are plenty of things. I must say, in the light-polluted environment, such as this, area um we you don't get the best views you yes. tend to have to get out into the country but we hope that these comets coming around will spark some interest robin fascinating stuff thank you very much indeed robin schedule from the society of popular astronomy I, I, seriously i've often thought of getting a telescope and having a now i've got two boys the eldest of which loves the moon and planets and stars and all of those things i think it'll be quite good fun oh eight four five nine four double five five double five it's bbc three counties radio coming up we better have the lead singer from Dr. Hook, Dennis LaCoria, otherwise someone's going to get fired. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
And still delays for the trains all about the trains this morning from Wellingarty City to Moorgate and to King's Cross because of the late finish of ongoing works. Uh, also delays between Broxbourne and Hartford East and Chesterton Cambridge. You've got buses instead of trains in London Midland between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey until the rest of today because of a fallen tree. And news just in actually for East Coast services heading up from King's Cross to Grantham. Uh, they're also being held up because of the late finish of engineering works. Uh, but happily, by contrast, the motorways and the roads, uh, no huge surprises for your uh, drive this morning for the rush hour. Heavy going on the M1 London bound uh, from Flittick at 12 to Dustbull at Junction 11. Uh, quick mention for you, Beckinsfield. It's Nicky Sloan Park Claim right now just by London Road. Bill Sheldrake, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Bill. Morning, 8.46, Tuesday the 29th of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Dunstable man is hitting out of what he sees as unsympathetic treatment from his employers as he undergoes treatment for cancer. The company, who we're not naming, denied the allegations, saying he was suspended because of a serious breach of his contract. The government is publishing its latest analysis of the benefits of the HS2 high-speed rail line, which would run through Buckinghamshire today. In sports, Championship manager Gianfranco Zola feels that his Watford side were denied a win at Brighton last night after coming away with a one-all draw. Right, we are going to have Dennis Le Corrier, the singer-songwriter, on before the end of the show. Otherwise, Catherine Boyle, her tenure as producer, will be one of the shortest in radio history. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hi, very good morning to you. We've got some showers on the way. They're going to be tracking in on the very brisk westerly breeze there. But uh, all in all, it's a fairly pretty start. We've got some sunny spells around. They'll continue in between the showers through the rest of the morning into the afternoon. It should be much drier by the time we get to the afternoon. The showers fairly few and far between. But if uh, if you do see one, then you'll probably know about it. Most of them light, uh, but some of them perhaps on the heavy side at times. Still quite windy outside and it's rather chilly as well despite the sunshine temperatures only up to around 11 possibly 12 degrees that's 54 in fahrenheit so it is going to feel colder than it has done lately and it will be a cold night tonight colder than last night temperatures in the rural spots down to perhaps uh, as low as between one and three degrees um, low enough for a touch of grass frost anyway holding in the towns at around four or five degrees celsius but a beautiful start to the day tomorrow very crisp very autumnal lots of blue skies around some good spells of sunshine it will cloud over into the afternoon particularly across parts of buckinghamshire first and it will turn quite wet and windy by the time we get to wednesday evening that rain possibly sticking around for part of thursday morning as well but all in all if you are on half term this week it will be mostly dry quite breezy some good spells of sunshine and some showers at times but wet and windy Again at the weekend, that's the forecast. For goodness sakes! That song is never being played on my show. Candy by Robbie Williams, one of the worst crimes against popular music ever. Every consumer problem has an unhappy customer. They've actually deleted the main account instead of attaching my one to it. We ordered it and when we got home we checked the measurements and it just will not fit. A company. We've asked the council, now they come up with a new excuse, it's not them, it's down to the highways. And he said, well I'm sorry, that's your policy, oh well maybe next time you'll learn not to open the box. And me getting to the bottom of it all. And they confirmed that they would return my excess and that my no claims bonus would not be affected. The JVS Show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Weekdays from nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. We've been ta- talking about IVF and that has led us on to uh, talking about uh, adoption 
and uh, we uh, spoke to a young lady who was unable to adopt because she is Hungarian and her husband is Mauritian. And the, the adoption centre says, oh, no, 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 we haven't got any babies that mix that, that fix that uh, uh, description. Uh, Mary's in Hemel. Good morning, Mary. Morning. What's yes. your take on what you heard? Well, uh, it's political correctness, obviously. Gone mad. Exactly. It's a funny expression, though, isn't it, political correctness? I don't know what it is. But anyway, I knew a couple some years ago. He was Russian, she was Portuguese. They adopted a child. The child grew up learning to speak English, Russian and Portuguese. Beautiful. She now works in a foreign office. Oh. So, travels all over the world. And uh, how many, like, in in Luton, I believe, there's quite a big Italian community. Now, their children, even though they're not adopted have grown up speaking Italian and English. Wonderful. Surely it's an advantage to the child to be put into a, a multi-ethnic, uh, whatever. For a start, it breaks down any barriers with regards to race. And also, the child's had the advantage of, of learning other languages. I mean, these people coming from Eastern Europe, they all speak very good English. Yeah. Maybe we should learn Polish, Mary. Or Russian, or Bulgarian, yeah. or... <laughs> Maybe we should. Maybe that's the way forward. It's easier said than done, because as, Russia, as English is the word spoken throughout the world, yes. it's easy. You ha- we would have to pick a language. Yeah. Okay. Mary, listen, I I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. Now, all morning, we've been trying to get Dennis Le Corriere. Stop chewing Wrigley's, you lot in there for a second. Catherine Boyle. Your mission this morning was to track down Dennis Le Corriere, the uh, former lead singer with Dr Hook, a talented singer-songwriter, and get him on the show by the end of the show. Have you achieved it? Faded to. This better be him. Hello? It's Dennis! You did it, Catherine. Your job is safe for another day. Dennis Le Corriere, sir, how are you doing this morning? Well, do you really want to know? Uh, well, I- I'd imagine this is pretty early for you, is it? Well, no, well I'll, tell, I'll tell you. It's funny you should say that. Go because, on. um... I'm doing an Australian tour next year. Yeah, show off. the advanced radio and press has started. Yeah. And I was scheduled to do an interview 4 p.m. their time this afternoon. And so I at 6 a.m. my time. So oh. I got up at 5 yeah. and had some tea to make sure I'd be awake. Wonderful. And uh, no call came through. <laughs> and I called Australia at 6.30 and they said, you know, we didn't realize you set your clocks back a couple of days ago, so we canceled it. <laughs> Oh, nice one, Australia. And you're going to tour? So don't worry about me, my friend. I've been awake since quarter after five for no reason at all. And you're going to go and entertain these people, Dennis? Cancel that tour, for goodness sakes. but when I get there, we'll be on the right time zone. If I had to entertain them over the phone, it would be absolutely impossible. You're you're right. You're actually (laughs) going to be there in person, so it'll be fine. How are you doing, man? Are you all right? Yeah, I I kind of had a little accident the other night backstage. There was a... I came off the side of the stage... I came off the wrong side, and I thought, oh, I'll go around the back curtain Uh-oh. and head the other way. And I went around, and I could see Light and Adrian, you know, my tour manager. It was all pitch dark, so I started to run towards him. And it was a bank of monitors back oh. there, and I hit him and fell over them and sort of, I don't know if I've sprained or cracked a rib on my left side, and I can't, I can't cough. And I can't really take a deep breath. And the worst thing is I can't laugh without it hurting. <laughs> well, well I'll, I'll, I'll do my best not to be funny for the next yeah, five no, minutes. Yeah, no, I know. C- can you sing, though, Dennis? Well, I did the other night because I did that in the interval. And I had to go out and do another hour and 20 minutes like that. But oh, adrenaline man. gets you through when you do stuff like that, you know. So, yeah, no, I, I you know, it's just it's been a weird couple of days because I, I can't really rest. You know, I can't really lay anywhere. 
And but so it was just as well they did me a favor and got me up at five fifteen. Dennis, I the, wasn't sleeping well anyway. With the greatest know? respect, sir, I believe you are now officially an old age pensioner. You need to be taken easy. I'm, I am. A, I'm sixty four. Yeah, but you know, sit down, have a rest for a while. Well, I know, I know what it is, man. You know, because as you get older. As you get, you know, all through life, you, you go through things, and you think, oh, I'm resilient, I'll bounce back. And then when you get older, you think, wait a minute, will this kill me? <laughs> <laughs> will I be bouncing back from this one? It's a little bit like the guy who shaves his head bald to be trendy and then decides to grow it back and realizes he's gone bald in the interim, you know what I mean? So, how is the tour going? Apart from, you know, nearly killing yourself, how are yeah, you doing? Yeah. No, it's going fine, man. I mean, the people are great. I was, up, I was up in Southport, you know, Merseyside the other night, and they're always really great. And, you know, I'm playing Potter's Bar in a couple of nights. Potter's Bar, I've got it here, Potter's Bar, the, the, the Williot Centre, is that a yeah. place? The 31st of October. Yes, Halloween, so that ought to be scary. And, uh, and then I'm playing Bloomsbury, in London. November the 7th. Uh, the Bloomsbury's a great theatre. November hoping, the 7th. I'm hoping you get to come to that. Man, listen, give me, you put my name on the door. I'll, I'll be anywhere that's free, I of course. Not only have I put your name... Uh, your name is actually on the door. It better be. I, like, painted it on the door. I want so it in lights. Up, it'll say, Ian, this way to entertain me. Excellent. I'm there. <laughs> and for those... Listen, for those who, who, who haven't seen you since, you know, the, the, sort of the, the heyday of Hook in the, yeah. the sort of 70s and early 80s, what kind of stuff are you playing? Well, you know, I got so much stuff to choose from, you know. Know, and, and so there are definitely some of the hook classic hits in there. But I'm also the kind of guy that likes to go and reach for those those uh, album tracks that make people say, oh, I never thought I'd hear you play that, mm. you know, because they're there. You know, like the woman who came up to me and said, I am one of your biggest fans. I have your greatest hits album. And I thought, <laughs> well, that means, you know, 12 songs. Well done. So I tried to give them a little bit of everything, and I talked to them a lot, and I kind of... My show's been more, you know, it's a lot of communication with the audience. It's why I love playing alone. It's not just guy goes out on stage, plays his hits, and, and takes a hike. Yeah. You know, I'm there. And that's what I want to do in Australia, too. In Australia, they wanted me to come over, uh, pick up a band there, and play, you know, sexy eyes in casinos while people eat prime rib. And I said, well, I don't really want to do that. And so I'm going over with my solo show. And getting to talk to him because Australia, you know, I'm there at once every 15 years. I don't want to just go in, play the hits, and leave. I want to say hi and, you know, forge some kind of relationship. But I do that every night here. And you know, people tell me it's a, they love the set list and they love the fact that I, I give it some thought. Mm. You know, I really do. Otherwise, it's okay. Give me tw- get me 20 of those blue shirts they seem to like, and I pretty much know what my set list will be for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I don't really do that. I. I, I toss it around, and then I take requests, and people shout for stuff. So there's... Stuff oh, we're, we're allowed to heckle around. you, are we? What's that? Are we allowed to heckle you? Um, yeah, sure. It's Fan- part of the show. <laughs> Fantastic. You know? Yeah, you know, I mean, now that you... People talk to me all the time. I don't yeah. know if it's a heckle, but people talk to me. Because <laughs> I open a dialogue as soon as I go out there. I say, hi, how you doing? I don't say, shut up and listen. I yeah. go out and say, how you doing? And we start to, we start to talk. So, you know... I love the show. I, I, I've said it a million times, but, you know, being on the road is 22 hours a day of nothing. Highway, motorway, dressing rooms, hotel rooms, uh, trying to find a cup of tea. I mean, it's pretty much sitting, waiting for those two hours. Yeah. So I want those two hours to be brilliant. I want them not only for everybody else, I'm afraid to say, but also for myself, because, I mean, the day... 
that I walk out there and those two hours don't mean anything to me, then there's 24 hours gone. Listen, I do, we've got a minute left, and I, I, I'm hesitant to ask you a question because you, your answer will take 25 minutes. No, it won't. I'll give you a short one. Did, Bob Dylan recorded one of your songs that you wrote. Is that right? Bob Dylan, uh, Bob Dylan did it in a film, a song that I wrote with Shell called A Couple More Years. Oh, you know? how cool was that? Yeah, you know, it was great, man. It's great. You know, I mean, anytime anybody invest a little bit of their career in something you said is brilliant, you know. But when people ask me, I usually tell them I, I wrote Blowing in the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Dennis, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. I'm sorry it's so brief. You're playing uh, for Potter's Bar uh, the 31st of October, the Williot Centre, yes. and also a big show at the Bloomsbury Theatre uh, uh, in London on November the 7th. Thank you so much for coming on, Dennis. Thanks, man. I appreciate the time. You know, and these shows here are important to me because next year I'm not going to be in the UK at all. I'm going to be in Australia, other parts of the world. So this is kind of like, you know, my see you when I see you shows. Come and get and, it while uh, it's still you know, lukewarm at least. Comes. Dennis, lovely to talk to you, mate. Thank you very much indeed. Dennis LaCorrier, former lead singer of Doctor Hook, now but a brilliant singer-songwriter on his own. Go and see him in Potter's Bar or the, come and see him at the Bloomsbury Theatre. I'm going to be there. I'm getting a comp. Uh, right, oh, look at the time. I've got to press this button. Oh! <laughs> Is this you, Bet? Is this you doing this? Sorry, what? Are you, is this you? No. Robbie. Why are you giggling? Look at Jonathan piece, bouncing <laughs> around next door. This song is banned from my show. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The trains, buses replacing trains, London Midlands, Watford Junction to St Albans Abbey. Disruption now for East Coast services heading up from King's Cross to Grantham. Also disruption for first couple of connect trains between Welling Garden City and Moorgate. That's because of the late finish of engineering works. And Greater Anglia, their trains are running a little bit late between Broxbourne and Hartford East, up between Chesset and Cambridge. Motorways the road is what you will expect. It's rush hour time this Tuesday morning. Heavy going and one London bound. Flitting at 12 to Junction 11 for Dunstable. And Milton Keys still looking a pretty busy London bound. A5. Bill Sheldrake, BBC Three Counties Radio. Excellent stuff as always, Bill. Right, that's it. That's your lot. Don't forget, you can go to iTunes or the BBC Three Counties website. Download a podcast. Comes out every week. Uh, you can send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. JVS is up next. Until tomorrow from me, ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Tuesday, and on today's big phone-in, do you think Eastern Europeans make better workers? David